I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. He said, don't move. I moved. I turned around. Boom, boom, boom. He started shooting. I got shot all three times. Today, we have Lilo Broncado. You might recognize him as Cologolo from A Bronx Tale, or Matthew Bevilacqua from season two of The Sopranos. This guy has an amazing story, okay? He started off as a child actor. He got discovered when he was 15 years old by Robert De Niro to play the part of C in A Bronx Tale. He then went on to have a really good career, but unfortunately he became a junkie. And in 2005, he was breaking into somebody's house and he ended up being involved in a cop killing, which sent him to prison for almost 10 years. Now he's out, he runs a sober living house, he's back acting, writing, and producing, and he's here to tell us about his arc, how he made it out of the depths and back into society. This was one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. He is everything you think he could be and more. You guys are going to love it. And of course, for a bonus episode with him, head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash The Connect Show. Without further ado, I give you Lilo Broncado right here on The Connect. You could have money, have it all, but if you don't have that sobriety in your recovery, nothing is possible. That's when I see lights behind me start to flash. And I didn't even think, I just hit it. I was driving like my life depended on it. Then I parked the car, hopped out, closed the door, and I started running. And he pulls out a burner, shanks, like six inches. And then he passes it to me. And he goes, here, that's yours. Don't ever leave the cell block without this. He was the reason I made it out of that place alive. So did you know wise guys in Yonkers growing up? Or did you know of them in the neighborhood? We see them around now. That's just like a part of that whole culture, growing up Yonkers, the Bronx. Wow. You see that all the time. Still, you still yeah. see Are big guys. Are we on guys the record and... right now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but you still see that, you know, Italian organized crime in the boroughs, like when you go up to... Yeah, I mean, you see, like, you know... You don't see them down here. You do, I mean, I was, I'm staying in Little Italy while I'm in New York. There is no, like, you know, track-suited uh, gold chain guys walking around you know, giving little kids dollar bills. Like, that is done. Yeah, but I think that's more of like a, a caricature yeah. of what, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes you would, these, like some of these guys would walk right by and you wouldn't even know that, yeah. that you know, like, it's much, di like, I got to say, like Tony Soprano, the way that guy looked, he was real looking. Like the way that character looked, old, fat. And, yeah. He looked and, like he owned like a couple of like tire stores. Like he just looked like a business guy from New Jersey. Yeah, he was, was he was perfect. Like yeah. he wasn't like an exaggerated uh, version of what someone like that would be. Mm. You know what I mean? Like he was perfect. But you know that element's always around. You know it is what it is. It's just part of I think New York culture. Mm. You know it is what it is. You're and, fully Colombian, right? But adopted by Italian parents, right? And why did they do that? Why did they choose to adopt? Well. My mom and dad, they had a miscarriage of someone that, you know, that kid that would have been five years older than me right now. Mm. I guess after that wasn't successful, they tried and tried and tried and just were not able to conceive. Uh, so then, you know, like they're old school Italian. They wanted, they you want know, a child. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are you the only child then? No, it's my brother Vincent. We're nine months apart. 
once they found out that they were going to get me and all the paperwork went through, my mom got pregnant with my brother. Get Vinny. the fuck it's out of here. It's very psychological. It's very psychological. wild, right. Same thing happened with my friend, uh, my friend John. He and his wife, you know, tried and tried and tried and tried. Nothing happened. They did the in vitro. Yeah. They were having kids. And then right after they had the kids, he said, we, we had a little sangria, we got a little fresh, and she got pregnant, just like that. We were trying for years. You know what it is? There's no, there's less pressure. Right. Your parents knew there was one of the ways. They just relaxed, and then they slipped pressure by the goal. Pressure's, you know, yeah. You know? Exactly. It's like when you're trying to get it up on a date, and, you know, yeah. you, you put so much pressure on yourself, uh, and then, you know, you like, yeah. take a step back, you're like, I'm the man, you know? Yeah, well, so, that's, that's what happened with them, and then, you know, um, now I'm here. So you grew up in Yonkers. Do you remember Columbia at all? How old were you? Were you just a little baby? I was four months old. Oh, yeah. You don't remember, so I don't remember Okay. Yeah. So, But you basically grew up Italian. Then. You grew up culturally Italian. Absolutely. You look Italian. Absolutely. You sound Italian. Absolutely, yeah. I grew um, up Italian. Your friends in school that you grew up with in the neighborhood, Italian? Um, My block was Italian. With other other than one family, they were Puerto Rican. The yeah. Hernandez family. They live, they're still there. Yeah. They're still on that street. A lot of people are actually. Um, that block was Italian, but I wouldn't say Yonkers was Italian or my neighborhood. It was like Polish. Yeah. There's a lot big Polish community oh, in that's Yonkers. Interesting. Irish. Really? Portuguese. Mm, black. Yeah. Yeah. They got the projects up there. Um, and they got the nice riverfront now, too. So it was a whole mix. I lived down there. I lived mm. down in that riverfront in those, you know, in those buildings. It's uh Yonkers definitely changed a lot. Yeah. I mean, down by the water, you know, there's Lionsgate down there now. Oh, wow. Lionsgate, they have a studio down there, um, which I was at a few times. I was there September 5th. We're working on this film, doing some post-production on a film called Sleepyhead. Okay. So uh, it takes place in hell. It's actually a cool cool, <laughs> cool story. Nice. Um, so we're, we're, we're reworking that. So when, when did you get into acting? Have you always been an actor? Um, uh, no, actually they found me when I was on the beach when I was, you know, 15 years old. Oh, that's wild, dude. Yeah. That does not happen in Hollywood anymore. You had like, that happened to Matthew McConaughey. You know that story, right? No, I he don't. He was going to law school in Austin, Texas at the University of Texas. And, uh, what's his name? Richard Linklater was in a bar drinking and he sees this guy and he's like, this dude's got something. And he goes, Hey man, he strikes up a conversation. He's like, Hey, I got this film that we're, we're getting ready to shoot down here. It's called, uh. What is it? Almost famous. Now help me out here, producer. Uh, it's the one that popped him. But he goes, "Do you, do you want to? I can like write you in or something." And he just kind of shrugs and he goes, "Yeah, okay, let's let's go for it, man." And fucking the most famous guy in the world five years later. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. wild. Yeah. So yeah, look it up. Was it Dave and Confused? Dazed and confused. There oh, we go. Wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was like the, uh, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. High school girls, you get older, they stay the same. Like, you're <laughs> just brilliant. And, you know. You guys, I got to take a minute to thank our longtime sponsor and friend of the show, Mood CBD. Mood is the number one Delta 8 and Delta 9 products company in the country. And they deliver everywhere. Even if you live in a state where you don't have full legalization yet, Mood CBD can deliver discreetly and legally to your doorstep, okay? They have a, an amazing array of gummies, edibles, pre-rolls, um, flour, anything you need in the Delta 8 and Delta 9 world, they have. I use their products every day. I use it for my injury. I use it to help me sleep. Uh, they're just the best. Go to their website right now, you guys, and use those promo codes. If you're a fan of the show, you know. Connect 20 to get 20% off anything on their website. Okay. And then of course, if you want a free five count pack of gummies, use promo code 
connect free and they'll just send you a free pack of gummies. All you do is pay for shipping. Go over to hellomood.co right now and get you some. What's up, everyone? I'm coming on the road to do stand-up. October 12th, I'll be in Toledo. October 15th, I'll be at Hilarities in Cleveland. November 1st, I will be at the Stress Factory in Bridgeport, Connecticut. November 2nd, I will be in New Brunswick, New Jersey. On the 5th of November, I'm going to be at the New York Comedy Club doing the New York Comedy Festival right here in New York City. November 15th, I'm in Dallas at Hyenas. November 16th, I'm in Austin at the Vulcan. Do not miss that one. On December 14th, I'm in San Diego. And on December 21st, Zanies in Chicago. This is a big one. I got a lot of fans in Chi-Town. Come out to that. Let's pack it out. Get your tickets at johnnymitchell.biz. All right, let's get into the episode. So they found you on the beach. Was it for a Bronx Tale? Yeah, that was the film. Um, you know, it's going to be 30 years old, September 30th. Wow. It's, it's a 30-year anniversary of the film. Um, That's crazy. You know, yeah. I, my girlfriend's like super, she's like 24, like, you know, on TikTok all day, doesn't know anything about what's good. I put on a Bronx Tale a couple weeks ago. I was like, I'm getting ready to interview this guy, babe. And she loved it. She was like, oh my God, this is so good. I'm like, yeah, no shit. Like, they don't make this stuff anymore. Yeah, it transcends you know? time. It was a very, you know, De Niro was very careful making that film. He put so much time into it, so much effort. You know, he directed it. That was his directorial debut. So I No, was, no, no. De Niro directed that? Yeah, he directed oh, that. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Chaz wrote it. Wrote it. Wrote Chaz it. wrote it. Yeah. Um, Made it know, pop as a, as a play first. A one-man play. Yeah, yeah. He did a one-man play that De Niro saw, went and mm. saw, and liked it very much, and thought that it would be good if it was made it as a film. Um, and you know, it was the same thing as like Stallone who wrote Rocky. Mm. They loved the story, but no one wanted Stallone to play Rocky. Right. They wanted to play it safe right. and actually go get, uh, get somebody know, who was, yeah, it was bankable, already, like a, mm -hmm. you know, a star. Uh, but and they Stallone, kept offering him more and more money. Right. But Stallone yeah. stuck to his guns yeah. and you know, I don't think there was anybody on the planet that could have played Rocky. I mean, that's, that is him. He yeah. is Rocky. Yeah. But Chaz held out and De Niro. De Niro's, it was De Niro's idea. It was a brilliant idea mm. saying that Chaz would be great as Sonny. And I think he was. Right. Because, like, here comes this guy. Who knows this? Who knows the material better than him? He wrote it. Yeah. This has you know, been, a, you know, for him, it had been a long time coming. He had wrote that long time. This is like, you know, took place in the 60s. Yeah. Him growing up as a kid. So he had this here and, like, it's finally going to get made. Mm. So I think De Niro recognized that as well. Mm -hmm. Like, this guy has a fire, a passion inside him to play this character you know not, yeah. not that he created it because it was based on real you know real yeah. people and a real story but i thought that was a great choice by de niro um who discovered you on the beach uh, this guy marco greco and was he like a casting director oh yeah he was like a scout i don't know yeah. if he was a casting director he was a casting scout but at one point in time the bregmans who did yeah marty bregman right produce big producers back in right, the 90s right and before, I mean, he yeah. did Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, yeah, right. Carlito's oh, Way. Oh, my God. Scarface. Taxi Driver. No, no, no. Taxi Driver. Someone else. But Scarface. Scarface, yes, yeah, yes. You know, so the Bregmans. Carlito's Way, yeah. They optioned Man. the script. And when they optioned the script, De Niro was always going to play Lorenzo. But they, they love Al Pacino. So mm. Al was going to play Sonny. Mm. And that could have been like, you know, if you want to talk box office, that would have made the most money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that would have made the most money, but then again, it, but you it, got two of the best actors, right. two of you know, the best actors yeah. around. But then again, because they are two of the best actors around and they are going head to head in something like this, would it be too distracting 
Like, you know, would you yeah. be watching it right. to say, oh, who's doing better? De Niro, oh, wow, that was right. good. Oh, man. But then, like, are you following the story and Correct. what it's about and Correct. the direction in which yeah. it's heading? And I mean, movies that with De Niro and Pacino, besides Heat, uh, historically have bombed, you know? So, yeah, I agree. Like The it, Irishman it, didn't do well. No, no, man. I mean, I liked it, but it, people hated on it. I, it was, yeah, there were a lot of problems with it, you know? It was, you know, the, my main problem was it was just too long, but it didn't yeah. have, it was, there was a lot of greatly great stuff in it. I, do you know what Hollywood, when I watch a movie like The Irishman, it reminds me of the presidential election. The, 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 that generation will not go away. Like, why, why are they still leading films? Why are why do we have Trump and Biden running for president? They're geriatrics, right? But they don't want to cede uh, power to the younger generation, right. or maybe those are just failing institutions, and, and they don't have anybody younger that they've reared to like fill the shoes of a Pacino right. or De Niro. You right. know, right. same same with politics. I don't know. It's an interesting thing, though. It's like it's well, the a, world is much different now, so you wouldn't want you know like you would want someone who would like you know fill in that. You know, like fill. You know what I mean. Fill in that space and what they were as actors yeah. and what they bought to you know to everyone. Right. But I just think it's so. I, I don't know. Also, the game is so much different. You can't you can't blow up by writing a script and starting a one man show. You can't come up the way that Pacino and De Niro did in New York. You know those like those sixties and seventies trained actors that you know got the the role of a lifetime after doing these small little bit parts. Movies barely matter anymore, you know? Movies don't matter. TV, and and even TV to me is becoming less and less relevant uh, I think, you as know, social movie, media takes over. I think the business, you know, the movie industry, the, the entertainment industry definitely took a huge hit. Um, I don't know if it'll ever be the same again, mm -mm. you know? Um, the because Oscars. Of, because of COVID or the technology or the strike? Like, why There's do you There's a little think bit of everything. Everything, Everything right? sprinkled in. Yeah, yeah. It's like, how do you recover from this? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I think the longer the strike goes on the you know the harder it is going to yeah. be to come back and yeah, just for sure. do, do what we did and you know and it was like so confusing and you know like after the pan like the pandemic i kind of like just the way everything was i you know the oscars just seemed a little more confusing and just the way everything mm. was and some of these films that were in the oscars i'd never even heard of before no of course because you pay to get your movie in it's all it's all rigged man like i'm telling you the game is uh hollywood to me is done for the most part in my opinion um but look there's still movies will always be around there's still money in it you know no i think if you can make something that touches people's hearts and people yeah. can resonate like they can really resonate with people something like you know i wrote a film it's about addiction it's with the girl from a bronx tale i wanted to do this which thing. one well it's a film the I, black girl yeah yeah oh yeah, uh, it's, uh what's uh, her Terrell name hicks that's it's right. called Never Meet Your Heroes. Oh, okay. It's about addiction. I'm a gambler in the film. I meet her at a karaoke bar. She's an aspiring singer. Yeah. And we're both in our element when we meet. She's on stage and I'm at the Joker poker machine and I hear her voice. And then, you know, I promise her I'm going to stop gambling. And I think, you know, and then we have a daughter and then yeah. she becomes an addict. It manifests in a different way. Okay. And it's real. I mean, yeah. I've lived this. Yeah. I've lived this. You know, so you still I, stay in touch with Terrell? Yeah, she's a really good friend of mine. Oh, wow. That's yeah. awesome. Dude, she was so good in that movie. Yeah. And then when she grew up a little bit in Belly, oh. She was hot. You remember her, Keisha and Belly? She looks better now than she did back then. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. Black don't crack. Yeah. So getting back to that though, like so you're 15. What are you doing? What kind of kid were you? Were you already 
like uh, kind of wiling and, and headed towards your addiction or what were you doing? No, 15, I was, you know, I'm drinking a few beers, you know, yeah. to, you know, get a little buzz and that was about it. But uh, at 15, <clears throat> then we started doing the film. How old were I you? When I had turned 16, August 30th. Okay. They found me July 5th of 1992. So then we started doing the film. And then How I, much did they pay you for that? The Bronx Tale, I made uh, altogether, I made like twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, it wasn't a lot. Not of money. a lot. It, it wasn't no. a big budget. No, well, it was not. No, it was not even that. It was, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't yeah. anyone. Right. So right. it's like, why do I got to pay this guy? He should be paying us if anything. We're giving him this shot. <laughs> yeah. But I was getting scale, which was one thousand six hundred and twenty dollars a week back at that time. But you know, like you know, like I was just happy to be there. And to be in the presence of De Niro and just everything that was going on. so It's a dream come fucking true. Absolutely. Never took an acting class before that? No. Never did nothing? Never no. had aspirations? Wow. No. So did you? Did they give you classes? Did they give you acting lessons before going in? It, did they give you a teacher or coach? Yeah, well, I remember one thing. And my nephew, like he was in this film that I did, you know, recently. Like, you know. And I try to do with him what this woman did with me. Because I remember it worked. Because obviously, like, you know, like, even if you have it in you, it may, it may take a little effort from whoever to get it out of you. It's there. Some people just don't have it. It's like speed. You, you, know, you can't teach that. You right. have it or you don't. Yeah. But, like, you know, like, just say this particular kid, he does have it because we've seen flashes of it. I know what's in there. But now we got to fucking get it out mm. of this kid. We had this, this lady. She was like an acting coach. So, like, I was going down there every day. I didn't have the part yet. They were working with me because the kid who shot Sonny, he was supposed to be... Colo but he was 21. Oh, they were yeah, they were yeah, set yeah. on him, but the who, movie would have been the different. Who was the guy that shot Sonny? Oh, at the very end, yeah, Phil Garbarino. He, he was barely in it though, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. He was barely like I think you only see his face when he yeah, shoots Sonny. Yeah, yeah. You know what it is? That he he tried to read for one of the parts as one of the friends, but it didn't work because he was 21, and all the kids, my friends, all 15, 16 years yeah. old, it wouldn't look right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. Your casting was perfect, but you didn't have the role yet. They said come read for it. Right. I got They said, you. come read for us. So now I got this woman that I'm working with, this acting coach. And, you know, she said, I want you to, she goes, I want you to do this for me. She goes, I want you to scream your head off and I want you to run back and forth in the room. And I'm like, really? She's like, yes, just do it. Trust me, it'll work. And I'm like, really? I'm like, ah, <laughs> ah, I'm running one way. Ah, I'm going nuts. Yeah. And you know what? That helped. Yeah. Because it's like, I just made such a fool of myself in front of this woman mm -hmm. that I don't even know. And I'm sure they heard me in the other room yeah. and they knew it was me screaming. So like anything else I do now, why would I be nervous when I just did that? Yeah, they make you do that goofy shit in acting class, but it's to it's to lower, it's to shed your inhibitions. Because as you become an adult, you you put up all these walls. So that's essentially what it is, is to, yeah, it's to, so you feel like liberated from whatever kind of self-conscious feelings you have. Well, yeah, you're shy. Yeah. It's, you know what I mean? It's yeah. a nervous, because you don't, I mean, it's for many reasons, because you know you have gotten yourself, whoa, in a position where this could happen. Yeah. You've gotten far enough. You've gotten past the gatekeeper. Okay, so now you're in a place where you're in consideration. They're considering you for this role. Yeah. So now, because this was like, because I went there, it was like 20 kids. And then I go the next day, you know, like 15. And then the next day, and then like, it's just me. Yeah. It's common sense. Everybody yeah. else's was weeded out and I'm here for a reason. <laughs> it's a bunch of shaggy haired uh, Italian So now kids. I know they're really fucking, you <laughs> yeah. know, they're really considering me. So now it's like, oh, and that did help because wow. I, 
Because if I feel like when I first got there, you would think I would be more nervous, but because I didn't have anything to lose at that point, because I didn't know how far in the running I was. You know what I mean? So now th th at that point, it was just like a Hail Mary. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. If not, I could say I got to this point and I'll talk yeah. tell my kids, you know. Yeah, I, I almost ever... got to work with De Niro. Almost, <laughs> almost. You know what I mean? People call me, yeah, I almost had your yeah. part. I almost had <laughs> so, but you would, you would think the nerves and everything would go away as you're getting callbacks, you know what I mean? You would think that that would instill and build confidence to where like, yo, man. Whatever I'm doing, it's working because I'm. They keep calling me back, but it was the opposite. And then when that lady did that, because now I know they're really watching me. When they have mm -hmm. all these people there, they're still watching. You know, they're sitting in the room. Was Bob De Niro? Chester. Was De Niro in it the was room there every day? Wow, that's huge. When you're actually in an audition with the director there, that means you're you're in the running for the part. Like you're you're in like the top top three. Yeah. Wow. And sometimes in the room. Do you remember? Are there any actors who are famous now that we would know that were up for the part? Well, from remember? what I heard, Johnny Depp wanted that role <laughs> of Cologero, and I heard Holly Berry wanted the role of Jane. Wow. Yeah. They were already like 30, though. That wouldn't have worked. Well, they would try to make it. I mean, look at look at Beverly Hills 90210. They were all high school kids. Yeah, yeah. They were in their 30s. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All banging each yeah, other. Jason Underage and shit. <laughs> You know, yeah. Luke Presley, rest in peace. His hairline was back here. He was right. and I, well, mine was too, and that's why I have a shaved head. So, but uh, <laughs> why was you on the finale? This guy's hair. Look at this guy. What? My God. Yeah, I know. Like, I know. He's, a, he's just a boy, dude. Oh he's God. just a boy. Well, what's what's going on? Why didn't you get on the finasteride? Or that you get the little implants? I could have hooked you up. I got a guy. He's in Spain, but he's good. Well, they say Turkey's the place to go for the for the for the for the. Yeah, hair but transfer. it's a sandy country. You're gonna go to a sand, get yourself blown up. Go to my guy in Spain. There'll be a jerk off. <laughs> God, you got me talking yo, like you. <laughs> yo, so, okay. Yo, you hear what he said? Uh, like, you hear what he said? <laughs> so listen, listen. So you get the part. What was, I mean, what was, it's such a broad question, but what was working with De Niro like? Oh, it was surreal. Surreal? Yeah, because. Is he in character or is he just kicking it? No, he's a very. Like, like on set. He's very introverted, you know, like until he knows you and gets comfortable with you. He's, very, he's like a very shy guy, very introverted. Um, so that's why it was surreal because you see this guy playing these prominent roles and these roles that, you know what I mean, like you know, last a lifetime, and he's playing these big, tough Larger characters. Larger life. Yeah, yeah. You Jimmy know, Conway. Pa and, same yeah. thing, like even Pacino, he's five foot four, yeah. but on screen he looks like he's nine foot tall. He's yeah. so huge. But that's the same thing with De Niro. Yeah. So you, you're expecting, even if it's not that, Maybe a, a little bit less, a little bit of a diluted version of that. But then when you meet him, it's like something totally different. So that's where the surrealism comes yeah. from. Like, holy shit, I thought this guy was different. And then he's just like, you know, like he gets shy too. But how how, how do you man. direct when you're shy? Like, No, well, well, not at that point. Mm. Because that by that point, he's, you know, he didn't just cast us. You know, we sat with him and, you know, we read these lines inside and out. Right. And we read them with every purpose possible combination of kids. All right, now put him with him, take him out, and now see how this group works. Mm, mm. Trust me, there was no mistakes. Mm. So when you guys were actually on set, did, were you able to bond a little bit? Were you able to talk and, and, and you know, get to know each other so you could be as believable as possible, father and son oh, on yeah, screen? absolutely. Wow. No, no, absolutely. So I think it was easy for both of us because my dad was around his age and he had a son, Raphael, that is my age. Yeah. His son, Raphael, was born in November. I'm born in August of 76. Mm. 
So right there, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not a foreign thing to him just because he's got a son that age. So there was a little father-son dynamic with you guys. Absolutely. Do you remember any like advice he gave to you or anything profound that you carry with you today? Advice where is it? Acting purposes or just anything? Anything. Everything and anything. You know, I know this is not like, you know, but it's, and it's very simple, but he always said less was more. He always said, because, you know, like, I think, you know, when you don't know film and how it works, film picks up things that you do. You could do this, and on film, it looks like you did that. It's, everything's mm. bigger. That's why people look bigger. Mm. Everything's bigger. So he told me, he said, trust me, when it comes to film, less is more. He said, you're better off doing nothing than too much. And he, he- And I always remembered that. Because I'm thinking, like, right now I have a choice. I could make this big, but Bobby said less is more. Yeah. So you could yeah. do it in a less way, which could be more. Mm. And I always, even though it's simple mm-hmm. advice, but he was very adamant about it. No, no, Lilo, because he was directing. And mm. sometimes he'd watch something mm-hmm. and be like, I know this kid could do it the right way. So listen to what I'm saying. Less is more. You don't got to do all that. Yeah, because it's just essentially just behavior for the editing room. That's what it is. And he mastered that more than anybody. The less is more. Like yeah. how, how many times does he just look at you in, in a film and it says There's everything? There's nobody's face that can say as much as his. Mm. He's done it so many times. Just like in Goodfellas with the cream. And he's looking at him with the suit. Even in, in The Untouchables. Mm. When he was, remember at the opera? And he had that fat fucking mm-hmm. face with the bald head. He was fucking out. Mm-hmm. And he had the, right? And they had that camera. It was just close up. You see him crying? <laughs> And then he just turns, and it's just like his whole face turns into something else. There's nobody can do that. You kind of look like De Niro in Untouchables right now. But trust <laughs> me when I tell you, the way he did that, he was crying, watching the fucking opera, and then he just collected himself, and he turned into that mob boss. Yeah. Just he did it. It's not easy to do that. Mm. And people watch, mm. and they look, it's a two-second thing. He did a few things with his fucking face. That's not easy. That's the hardest thing to do. Because you're saying something without saying it, so you really got to be able to sell it. That shit's God-given. That's like a rubbery talent. As we said, it's like speed. That's the things you can't teach. Right. Right? Right. So what What was your favorite scene? What was your, you have so many quotables in there. I'll tell you my favorite first. I got to tell you that my favorite All right, is, you go. Oh, so go, go. You first, brother. You first. Go, brother. Go, go. Okay. My favorite is, uh, no. My favorite is, it's really not you, it's it's Sonny, but Sonny's telling you, what, he's a friend of yours? Uh, it's, it's you. Uh, the kid won't pay you $20. Is oh, the kid a friend cheap. of yours? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no. All right, well, there you go. He's out of your life. You got off cheap. That's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, my favorite, I got to say, is uh, probably the funeral scene. Because you got oh. you got De Niro, you got Pesci, you got Chaz. Oh. You got a little piece with everybody. You know what I'm saying? Chaz ain't saying nothing because he's dead, but he's still there the whole time. And he was in there so long, like sometimes even when he had an opportunity to get out, they, he said, no, let me stay in there. Because wow. then it's a pain in the ass to come back and get settled uh, in. Oh, like there. when they were shooting De Niro, he could have gotten out when the camera wasn't on him. No, no, But no, he no. stayed in there anyway. Not even that. Well, well, he would. Yeah. He stayed in there out of respect for De Niro. Hmm. Because it's harder as an actor even though you, this is off camera, but I'm still supposed to be looking at somebody that's dead and there's some meaning. There's, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a yeah. meaning. I have, in, I have an intention. There's, I have intentions right now mm. with this scene. And I just think with you there and me able to look at you, even with the makeup and, you know, you, you know you're playing the role of a dead guy. You're mm-hmm. not saying anything. You got that makeup, you know. And I just think that, you know, definitely helped him out. But 
you got Chaz. He fell asleep. <laughs> he snoring. <laughs> De Niro's trying to do the scene. And yeah. it was low, but then it got louder. And De Niro was really trying to fight, but then we all started laughing. <laughs> but like, even Pesci, like, you know, that area, that neighborhood, man, that's prominent. Let me yeah. tell you, some real street dude, you know, some real tough, like, that's one of the toughest neighborhoods around. Yeah, the the uh, Fordham section of the Bronx? Yeah. To this day. Still. One of the toughest neighborhoods around, the five boroughs. They don't mm. get tougher neighborhoods than Fordham. Is it still Italian up there? Yeah, it's Italian. It's Italian. It's Albanian. Yeah, Albanian. But still, <laughs> Talk but about some tough cats. Yeah, but there's still a very big Italian yeah. presence. So, and you, that's where you filmed it, in Fordham. Yeah, and those street stars, you know, they're street stars. And then Pesci, if you watch the movie again, Pesci was a somebody. Because remember, he was Carmine. When you watch, remember outside when you hear the narration and you see all the people pulling up and yeah. this and that? Watch. Pesci's car pulls up. Somebody opens the door for him mm -hmm. and they can't get in front of him. They're all kissing him, greeting right. him. Yeah. So you know he's a serious dude. Right. So he. There's it, no way these grown men are coming to kiss you if you're right. not a thorough, serious right. guy. And then when he comes in, it's like I love, like he was so per like sometimes like I think about the Bronx tale, you know what I mean? Even though I was in it, but now because I'm so far removed from that age and that character mm -hmm. and of that, now I could watch it as a film because I love these movies, right. you know. And that one is like top notch, man. Yeah. Cause like when you see Pesci, like the way they did that, you didn't know that was him in the beginning. When right. he goes, Fuck you, you free hole. That word freehold, that's a very authentic. What does freehold mean? It's like you you jerk, jerk off, off, you fucking freehold. Mm -hmm. But they don't really say that in Brooklyn or anywhere else. That's a Bronx word. Wow. Freehold. That's wow. very or even when I said, remember when I said she was tall, she was beautiful, and she was classy, but she was black. And that was a no-no. That was a no-no. They say that to this day. I know guys from that neighborhood that were that age then. Mm. Oh, that was a no-no. That was a no <laughs> anything. Oh, you don't go to anybody's yeah. restaurant, you start screaming. That's a no-no. So yeah. I'm like, wow, this movie's so authentic. It's so authentic. Because I'm, you know, like my like De Niro, really, mm -hmm. really. But the you, way let me ask you, I, I can't I can barely say it without getting chills. And it, and it kind of like it brings like tears up. But that last scene where you ask Pesci, you would kill that man over a parking space? And he goes, and No. He, he said, No. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> it was over respect. Is that how you interpret it? Like, like what did he get killed for? He goes, No. Like what? What? What do you think he got killed for? It could be it's some kind of street reason for whatever it is. Yeah, he, I, it, to me it was respect. Like he he disrespected him by. You never know. You never know. This guy couldn't have been. Listen, it could have been. In, a lot of times it's it's because of money. Mm -hmm. It's because of money. This guy may be making this much mm -hmm. money, but now this guy comes and because of him doing the same shit he's doing, now he's making less money. Mm -hmm. So he's gonna say, hey. If you're going to do that, you can't do that here because this is where I am and this is where mm. I've been doing this yeah. for like this many years. So you got to go. Mm. And then this guy could choose to say, all right, I respect that. I know right. who you are. No problem. That's how you see it. And then I'll go find another place to do my business. But then some people say, no, I don't give a fuck. Fuck this guy. Tell him to come. You know what I mean? But and then was, the guy does come and then that happens. But it was so beautiful because it did just leave it up for interpretation. He goes, no. But wasn't that's over great. a parking space. It was great. That's oh, great. It's one of the best films. You know, I had an idea. I had an idea. Everybody, you know, like, and she knows because, and I talked about it to you, but everyone logically would think if they made a movie about the Bronx, I don't think it, C would never become a gangster. His life, he, trust me, he was scared straight. After Sonny got killed and all that, 
She went back to being the good boy, Lorenzo's son. But that's why you were the perfect cast, is because they could look at you and see somebody who wasn't a gangster. He was just brought up in the neighborhood as a good kid. Right. So that that's was a father-son story. Right, of That course, happened to be in that element. In yes. that, you know, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. It could have been taking place at the zoo or whatever, but it was really a father-son story. But if they had cast like a tough kid, it wouldn't have made sense the because the redemptions, tough, the other kids were tough. But that shows the right. contrast, that's the right. juxtaposition between mine right. and my friends. But see, like, come turn about, oh, you should have been the boss. That would never happen. Okay, so yeah. that's not real. You could choose to do a movie, a prequel, to answer that question, why did he kill him? Mm. Right? That would have been They'll a cool fuck thing. it up, though, man. The Sopranos movie, God, oh, that, what a piece of shit that was. Yeah, was I'm yeah. sorry, David. Yeah, yeah. Look, let's just yeah, call it, was, it what it is. It was disappointing. It was disappointing. I could tell by the, I could tell just by the trailer, I'm like, oof, this is going to no, stink. No, but you know, I actually thought it was actually going to be, okay, do you know, do you know, uh, you know the title? The title is a play on words. Did you know that? What the title of the Many Saints of Newark? Oh, okay. Okay, explain. It's 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 a play on words. The movie was about Dicky Moltisanti. Right. Okay, Moltisanti means many saints in Italian. Mm. Moltisanti. Yeah. So they were the Moltisantis right. of Newark, the right. Many Saints of Newark. Right. So just that alone, I said, wow, that's pretty fucking it's clever. Cool. Yeah. And you know, The Sopranos was fucking unbelievable. Greatest I mean, show. Holy shit. It's the greatest the show. They, so, uh, yo, they, they nailed it. Every line is comedy. It's it's fear. Right. It's it's amazing. But here's the thing. Hold on, hold on. Let me get into this. Let me because I want to back up. This is about you. After a Bronx Tale, your life's changed. I assume. Of course. Is Hollywood calling? Yeah, 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 yeah. You get an agent. Got an agent, William Morris, uh, wow. Frank Frateroli. Was like right away. Wow. Yeah, and yeah. were you getting offers? Of course. What What was a big role that you went out for post a Bronx Tale, but before Sopranos? So many. I mean, I mean, I, went, I read for Robin in Batman and Robin. Wow. Yeah, I mean, read for you. Know, I went, wow. Uh, you know, I had an audition with Steven Spielberg, but I fucked that up because I went. I chose when to choose do drugs the night before. Oh shit! It was a Friday, ten thirty in the morning audition in the room in Hollywood. No, in New York City. That's what I'm saying. Spielberg was here. What was the movie? You know, Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah, it was no. for the Vin Diesel role. Oh, not Lilo. to say, not to say that I would have been better than Vin. I know Vin, and I thought he was great, and I thought you know you could have did it though. You could have did that. But but you know, the bottom line is, you know, that's what happened. I went out, sniffed coke the night before, and I said, you know what, I'll be all right. I said I'll probably be, you know, I'll be able to get back in ten thirty. Mm. That's late. I'm gonna get home. Mm. Five six of my sleep right now. It didn't work out that way. And then I called my manager. What happened? You were up all night? Yeah, I called my manager and I said, you know, can we reschedule? He's reschedule. He's leaving. Yeah. He's been here. He was here this week. He's in New York seeing actors in New York for this, you know, like, yeah. and, and you have an appointment to sit with and this guy. And he's Steven Spielberg. The, you he's, know, like, do, do you make the president reschedule? You know? <laughs> Damn. Yeah, yeah, but this is this is you know these are like this kind of stuff haunts me. Right. You know, I think about this, and there's people that would kill to even be near that guy. Right. But to have had the opportunity to be in right. the room, and this guy's like his eyes are on you, yeah. his focus is you for yeah. whatever that amount of time right. is. But real quick, back to Sopranos, they've done that genre a million million times. Oh, gangster movie, blah, 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 blah. but now they made that, and it started in '99, right? '98, '99. The writing was great. Everything was so fresh and so new, but they never, ever sacrificed authenticity. The show never became silly, even though the writing was, eh, it's kind of stupid. But it, right or wrong, it always stayed authentic. Mm -hmm. 
Like even with like the stuff they came up with, some of the right, even the one when I got killed. Okay. Yeah. Do you see the writing in that? Uh, Michael Imperioli wrote that, Christopher. That scene? Yeah. Do you know how brilliant that is to come up with fucking soda, mm -hmm. Diet Coke? Dude, when you were drinking Dang, this. Come on, you, When bro. you were drinking, drink that. Drink it, drink it, give it a deep drink. <laughs> That's right, dude. Oh, but <laughs> That's he, it. But just, but just for him to say, you know, like, you, are you sure you don't want a sugar, a, a soda Someone with some real sugar, sugar? It? Yeah. it was only Fanta. And he's, he's a rat. He got a wire on him. Yeah, yeah. That was awesome. Man. Oh my god! Yeah, the guy who gives you the Fanta is Vincent Pastore, pussy, big pussy, big pussy, Bob who's, who's, who's wearing a wire the whole time as he's killing you. <sighs> That's correct. Um, we're gonna get to that though. So, but I'm curious to like the progression of like your drug use. Like, how does that? You know, after a Bronx Tale, you got a little bit of money. You certainly got some clout. Um. But you're still a kid, basically. You know, you're 17 yeah, years old, 18 much, years old. Yeah, very much. So, so uh, do you? Does that? Does that kind of stardom or that you know being a somebody now? Does that uh, accelerate the drug use? Of course. Okay. Because, you know, like I've talked about this before. Like I seen like a, I saw a psychiatrist when I was a kid, and uh, he always said that I could see someone with your personality and the things that you spoke about, and you always talked about excitement and you know how you you know. He said that I knew someone with your personality would gravitate toward drugs. And he also said that I would be good in the dramatic arts. Wow. He also he said called that. called it. Yeah. Because you have that. You're a very, like, strong up, you oh know, guy. You got a lot yeah. of latent energy, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at you now. You're fucking ripped. You go to the gym. You're eating a beef jerky. Yeah, I know. What decade are we living in? Yeah, I know. But, uh, so, <laughs> you know, so you you got that. But but drug addicts, and I've been to jail. I've been to prison. Trust me. I know yeah. drug addicts. Yeah. I mean, this is a crime podcast. Okay. You know, I was a big-time drug dealer. But, Ooh. you know, so I was around a lot of drug addicts. But um, do you think it was something about being adopted? Like, have you looked into, like, how that maybe, like, a sense of abandonment fucked your psyche up? You know. Does that have anything to do with it? My brother thought that, and that's why maybe my mom and my, you know, they thought I should go see someone. They thought that's why I was doing drugs. Hey, listen, as far as I'm concerned, what I can see on the surface, no, that's not a problem. I don't, because I consider myself lucky. Because people do, you know, like sometimes you, I don't necessarily look at it as being abandoned. You know what I mean? I also, I, I kind of frame it a different way to like maybe these people's lives were so bad and they knew there's no way they're going to mm -hmm. be able to give this no, child a not. good life. No. So it's better off we do the right thing and actually give him a shot. And some couple who can't have children a shot to have a fucking kid. No, it's a beautiful thing. I don't so, deny it. I just and it was I was so young. Yeah. I was four months old. So it's not like I came when I was like already seven or eight mm. where I was in one place, realized yeah. what was going on, and then like, get the fuck out. Right. We don't want you anymore. Yeah. And then it's like then you go to somewhere else. Then of course, then you would you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think because I was so young, my parents are great. My yeah. parents are great. They yeah. gave me everything. So. It's baffling. It's baffling how some people just maybe just are predisposed to to being addicted and then you you try it and you like it and then it just your habit gets away from you right yeah, absolutely um so so now you're you graduated high school did you go to college at all i did some college in uh, I, I got an associate's degree did, i earned an associate's okay. degree. but did you ever go out to la did you ever say i'm gonna move to la and to try to make it pop or did you stay out here the whole time i stayed out here but i've i've spent significant mm -hmm. amount of time mm -hmm. out there you know and i'd go out there two three months at a time yeah. i would every like pilot season yeah, i'd yeah. go out there beginning of the year and i'd start right. going out for all the pilots right so did you work between between a bronx tale and the sopranos 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did Renaissance Man, Crimson Tide. I did some pretty good oh, stuff. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. So were you doing drugs in between the, the roles? Well, yeah. I mean, Bronx Tale started, you know, we did that in 92, came out in 93, and I started dabbling the weed in 92, in November. That's when that started. Right. You know, the alcohol was always there, but that's yeah. like acceptable. Of you course. Can, like, you know, you go to the Right. It's accepted. You mm. go to the store and stuff, but. So then Crimson Tide, Renaissance Man was 94, then 95 was Crimson Tide. So I would say 96, 97, 98, that's when it started getting bad. The cocaine. Co the cocaine, yeah. Mm -hmm. It was a weekend thing. Right. You know, I'd be good Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then fucking Thursday. You know <laughs> what right. I mean? It's basically the weekend on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. it starts. <laughs> but this way was this the way this this is how I would do it. I would go out Thursday. I'd go so fucking crazy Thursday. I'd sniff so much below, and I only did it out of the right side of my nose. So, because the other side wasn't strong enough to pull it, it wasn't strong enough to pull it. So I do it to the right side, right? So then I guess because like it affects the muscle in your eye that turns their eye left to right. So I guess because it fucked up that muscle so bad and, you know, overdoing it for all those hours, that you make me like this. Like the next day I'd be fucking, because like the muscle's like so weak. Cross-eyed. Yeah, cross-eyed <laughs> fucking tearing out of one eye. <laughs> Yo, it's fucked up. That's fucked My up, My mother's bro. like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah damn. Yeah. And this is when Coke in New York City is still really good, too. Oh, I remember when I first did it, we got it off Fordham Road across the street from the VA hospital in the Bronx. Wow. This is back in like... 93. Who was serving it back then? 93, 94. It was Dominicans. Right, of course. You go you go in the building. I remember it was 47. You don't knock on the door. You ring the doorbell. When you ring the doorbell, they look, and then if they know it's you, you hear like six locks. Yeah. They open the door, and you look straight ahead, right? There's a hallway, and then there's a kitchen all the way down there, but the light's off, and there's a guy literally with a gun. Just sitting against the stove. He doesn't say nothing. He's going to say something if you try to rob the place. <laughs> yeah. It's going to leave you dead in that place. Yeah. Okay? So you see that already, you know, this is not a place to, you know. You're like, this is going to be good coke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was fucking, it was yeah. great. Yeah. It was like, you know, like when you did the shit and your whole, everything got numb mm -hmm. and your throat was so numb mm -hmm. that you don't even realize you're swallowing, but yeah. you are, but you can't. Right. You're like, and That's then you can drink all night. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, but... You know, that's a combination of the shit was really good and also it was new to your body. Yeah. It starts, because like, I think it's like, it's like the devil. Like, you know, there's a saying that in Italian, when the devil caresses you, he wants your soul. So I think that's the, the, the period of caressing. Mm. It's very seductive. That's the way you, you know, you, mm. you perceive it. And then before you know it, and then you're fucking experiencing psychosis and looking on the couches. And that, that happened. Of you. course, of course, wow. back of my head. I jumped out of a car, yeah. Wait, what? I jumped out of a car one night. I was fucking doing like 60 miles an hour with like my friends and I got like really paranoid off the blow thinking these guys were going to kill me and I fucking jumped out of the car. Holy shit. Yeah, it's crazy shit. Yeah, you're lucky to be alive. Yeah, and the 60. screenplay I'm writing, that psychosis, it's, yeah. I'm not going to tell you the, the, the premise, but yeah. trust me, there's never been a film that showed that psychosis. I lived it. I used to see the shadows in the walls, fucking dry, I used to go like this. Yeah. I used to be against the wall in a motel by myself for three days, all right? Totally naked, all right? <laughs> Blow on the fucking thing. There's nobody here. And it's like the middle of the summer, and it's like a fucking Tuesday, and it's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm in this, like, piece of shit motel and naked against the wall and wired out of my mind going like this. <laughs> you know why I'm doing that? 
to see if that's my shadow on the wall. Because if I go like this and it moves, it's me. If it doesn't, we got a problem. <laughs> you know? dude, dude, it's like you're a crackhead. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the same. It's crackhead it's shit. It's the same shit. Yeah. I've, I've done that too. I've, yeah. Me and like three, four guys, like, you know, carpet surfing is. No. Oh, yeah. well, you're looking for the shards, yeah. right? Yeah, you're looking for anything. You're putting popcorn in the stem. Oh, it looks like something. And then you put, like, but that's what that stuff does. It yeah. brings you to your knees, man. So, so it starts to get bad around 96, 97, 98. But then look what happens. The Sopranos pops and season two comes around. That's right. where your character, uh, Brendan Bevilacqua, right? No, mine, uh, Matthew Bevilacqua. Math Matthew Bevilacqua, gotcha. And my friend was Sean Gismonti. Uh, gotcha, okay, cool. So yes, Matthew Bevilacqua, great name. Just like, I never forgot that name. Yeah. Uh, you know what, what that means, Bevilacqua? No. Drink water. Wow. Bevilacqua. Bevilacqua. Yeah. All right, gotcha, yes. gotcha. Um, when did you read for that part? And did, were you up for any other roles in The Sopranos? Well, I read for the first season, Christopher's friend, Brandon Falone. Oh, Brandon Falone. The kid who got shot in the shot shower. Shot through the eye, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I read for that role. They said I was young. But at that point, it was just basically a concept. You know, it was yeah. an idea. They didn't know it was going to go off over that big. Right. So they said, if we get another season, we'll bring you in for something that's, you know, you yeah. feel you're right for. Do you feel like your character was better than yeah, Brandon? Yeah. It was, right? Yeah. Because Brandon was kind of you, a... A lot of people don't even remember Brandon. Yeah. Not he, to say, not to discredit Anthony DeSanto, because I know him. He's a, he's a very good mm. actor. I just think the part was small, number one. And number two, it was all the way in the beginning. Right. And then eight seasons later, right. it's harder to you remember. You forget him. Right. It was a I different even, show by the end. Right. It was even a different show by the second season. Yeah, right. It evolved by the second right. season. Your character was had an arc, like a real arc. Like and you were the guy, you were the guy that wanted too much too fast, right. and your partner in it. Because so, but if those of you who haven't seen it, go watch it. Well, what are you doing? You've been living under a rock. Go watch the entire Soprano series. But season two, you guys are just punks that are trying to get in good with Tony's crew. Exactly. And your partner wants to be like, no, look, we gotta, we gotta just stay in line. We gotta, you know, wait our turn. Whatever they say, do we do? And you're like, no, we got to make a move, right? Yeah, no, we got to do something big. These, yeah, these people, this guy's treating us like shit. Like, yeah. what the fuck, man? We went to Pace College. But it was great though. Like you just got to had a you had a very meaty role. Yeah, you know. Um, were, did you lay off the blow when you had to no. go to work? No. Really? No. I that's some. It's like at that point, it was hard to lay off. If it was there and I was drinking, I'm doing it. Was anybody doing coke? On the Sopranos set beside you? I didn't see anybody. But you would you would get high and then go act? Well, what would happen is I wouldn't go get high and go act. I would be high from the night before <laughs> and I would sleep for a fucking hour and I'd still like feel the effects. Ooh. And those are twelve hour days on yeah, set. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I remember one time I was high on heroin from the night before because I sniffed so much blow that I needed the dope just to come down so right. I could go to work and actually like fucking be a normal guy. And is that how you got into heroin? Was that the beginning of your heroin habit? Well, no, it started when I jumped out of that car because then I fucked my head up so bad that they were giving me the pain pills. Mm. And then the pain pills turned into that. Right. But on the day of the Sopranos, when Furio comes to the, remember, you know, like, when he wants his money? <laughs> he cucks you guys out. Yeah. <laughs> that scene, that night, you know, like it was crazy because that night, the night before, I was out sniffing and partying mm. and all that. So I was high on dope from because that shit was powerful. I didn't do dope all the time. Right. You know, so like you sniff one bag, you're feeling nice for two days. Yeah. Sleep like a baby, fucking itching. 
But it's like, what is that? It's all empty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nothing good ever comes out of it because I've seen it on the other side. And it's like, what did I do all that for? Yeah. It did nothing but destroy my life. It was nothing but destruction. Mm. But that scene, what we did that was high from the night before, they didn't know what was wrong with me. So obviously, you know, when you're on set, Lilo, you want a water? You want a water? There's waters everywhere. Yeah. You know, everybody's got, hey, Lilo, you got nine, you know, but that's a nice thing. It's a good yeah. thing. But I'm drinking that water. They had to have a bucket for me. As soon as they Oh, puking. That's yeah. right, because that's yeah. what you do when you're coming down off dope. Well, not even that or yet. When yeah. you're high on dope you're high and you're can't. not used to it. Yeah, right. you're, you're vomiting. Yeah. You're vomiting, but it feels good after you vomit. It's right. like, oh, it's like euphoria all wow. over again. It's wow. like the best vomit. But well, it's like you couldn't tell because they kill that. That scene is great. I mean, you guys are like standing in your underwear <laughs> yeah. as this big fucking, you know, guy from the other side just basically shakes you down for cash. And then he goes in, in Italian. He's like, they suck each other's cocks. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he says. He's two suck each other's cocks. Yeah, do you funny. speak any Italian? I do. Okay. I do. Did your father speak Italian? Yeah, How did you yeah, learn it? Yeah. Your parents? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so they're from Italy. Oh, yeah. They're oh, off these the boat. are and that's why that's, Yeah, that's not, uh, you know, that's not common that people from Italy, like immigrants, would adopt. No. But they love children. They all want mm. children. The fact that they couldn't have one made them so desperate that they would even consider doing that. Right. And then they did. Right. Especially then, a non-Italian. Right. And then, and then, and then, you know, you had my brother Vincent. I'm yeah. born August 30th, 1976. He's born May 12th, 1975. Right. It's nine months. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's nine maybe months. your mother in Colombia did some, cause Coke started, was starting to explode in Colombia in 76. Maybe she maybe. treated her nose while she was pregnant. You never know. You never know. You know, and, and it, it got into your bloodstream. Who knows? Oh, I mean, it didn't even have to be from her. It could have been something that she was passed on. Because I think that, you know, the coca, the coca leaf in mm. Colombia is used for many things. Not only course, for that. They got colas. Yeah. You know, like colas that are, you know, from that stuff. They got fucking food that's made with that. Put in your tea. Yeah. No, yeah. There's a, they use that coca for a lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah, of course. So, of course, it's going to get in the body. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. then it becomes part, you know what I mean? But then the, the way they make it, you know, like to that white powder yeah, from course. a plant, there's a lot that goes through that. You're course. making poison, you know. Of course. It's like, um, so uh, how many how many episodes of season two were you in before I you get killed? I was in five. Yeah. And then I was in a flashback, which, right. I, which I get residuals for. And so, that's sick, bro. So, so I'm not complaining. So you get HBO residuals. Right, yeah. Okay, great. It's not a lot, but it's still, you know, yeah. it's, you, know you yeah. never know when they're coming. And like, oh, wow, right. I gotta, just got to check that out. Um, how do they let's let's pull the curtain back a little bit. So your your episode, your your role ends when you get shot to death because you guys try to kill Chris, the made guy. Right. They 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 catch they catch you. He wasn't made yet. No, he wasn't made. You're right. You're right. But he's you know, he's the nephew yeah, yeah. of the, the boss. Remember he lost his spleen? That's and, right. And he got, got no spleen. I got no spleen, Gene. Gene. Yeah. Yeah. So how do they how do you get shot? You get shot so many times. how do they make it look like blood? They put packs on you? Yeah, yeah. What is it? They're called squibs. They're like little packs of like sugar blood. And this whole thing, it's like I got this whole, like this is made by special effects. Yeah. You watch that scene, you see the the sweaters puffy. No one will ever notice it, uh, but you watch that sweaters puffy. Right. Because I got like a whole fucking thing underneath that's rigged with like seven blood packs. Right. Okay. And it's hooked up to wire that goes through my pants all the way through the bottom of my pants that are all linked up over there. And you got some special effects guy in the corner and he knows, cause you'll rehearse it. You rehearse it for camera. You know, like basically it's gonna go like this. You know, Jimmy's gonna take the first shot. 
bang. And then there's going to be a little delay because then he looks at him. So then it's going to be bang, bang, bang. You know what I mean? And then he pulls the yeah. There's the something pack that yeah, to I'm, make I'm it. sure now that was in ninety. That was in like two thousand ninety nine, two thousand. Yeah. I'm sure now the technology they don't it's they more have, sophisticated. But I, yeah, wait, but I'm saying back then. Yeah. It was wires. And then you, they say, just act like you're getting brutally shot to death. Yeah. And you just, and, and how many takes did it take? You can't do a lot of those. You can't do a lot of those. How many you shirts are you going to have? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what it is? There was so much stuff. There was so much coverage because you got the two shot. Then you got him shooting. Mm-hmm. Then you got him shooting. Then you got my fucking leg where the blood's coming down. You could use that. And then if you if you get like literally a, a, a a millisecond of me just doing that and you cut right back right. to him. That's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of editing. Mm-hmm. Editing, it makes everything. Totally. You could totally. go in a hard drive or you could go look in like whatever, you know, whatever you footage you have. Now, you may have something that's part of this scene, but because it's just you here and we don't see the wardrobe, mm. huh, you know what? That was a really good fucking look. I think that would make it great reaction. For when he said this, let's just put this in this scene. Mm-hmm. They'll never, you know what I mean? Yeah. I've seen that done before. Like, yeah. wow. That's amazing. But that's that's movie magic. But that's why you can't teach somebody that. Right. Somebody has to know that. You can't go to school to be an editor and they're going to, you know what I mean? I mean, they could teach you that, but just to have that, just you know, to pull something from somewhere else. Of course, they can teach the you that. The best editors could also be great directors. Because they have that artistic eye Uh that you can't teach. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. A crazy schedule can make it easy to fall back into your dinnertime recipe rut. Keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every week, so there's always something to delicious to discover with HelloFresh. Even though the fall can feel jam-packed, HelloFresh makes whipping up a home-cooked dinner actually doable with quick and easy options, including their 15-minute meals. That's less time than it takes to get delivery. And with everything pre-portioned and delivered right to your door every week, it really is a no-brainer. We all know HelloFresh takes the hassle out of mealtime, but did you know it can also save you money? HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% less expensive than takeout. That means less stress in your day and more money back into your pocket. You guys, I've used a lot of these meal prep delivery companies in the past. HelloFresh is without a doubt my favorite and the best. You mean, you heard me right there. It costs less money than takeout and the grocery store, and it's healthier. Plus, it will just save you time. They give you ingredients, different recipes, 40 different recipes to choose from. And especially during this holiday season, who has time to cook three meals a day? I certainly don't. That's why HelloFresh can help you save money and stay fit. Right now, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50connect. That's 50connect. And use promo code 50connect to get 50% off plus free shipping. Did you hear that? That's half off and shipping doesn't cost anything. You have literally nothing to lose. Once again, use that promo code 50CONNECT for 50% off plus free shipping. Thank you, HelloFresh. Let's get back into it. Hey guys, let me take a minute to shout out Prize Picks. It's football season. Do you like firing on action every Sunday as much as I do? Prize Picks is the most fun I've ever had, winning up to 25X my money. You just select two or more players, Pick more or less their projected stats and place your entry. Prize Picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. And check this out. If you're really into it, you got to know this. With Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets hurt. 
which is big, especially during the NFL season, right? If you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. That's big, you guys, okay? Head over right now to prizepix.com slash connect and use code connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. I love this. I love this. I personally am not a huge sports fan, but putting action down on the games keeps me engaged with the NFL every Sunday. And this is a great way for the expert or the casual sports fan to really come up this football season. Again, head over to prizepicks.com. Use that promo code connect to get $100 matched on your first deposit and go have fun, guys. Thank you to Prize Picks. Let's get back into the episode. Tell us about James Gandolfini. I mean, it's just the greatest character of all time. The, the Tony Soprano. Yeah. He's amazing. What what is he like? Did you did you have any interaction with him? Oh yeah. I mean, I knew him prior to that. Really? Yeah, we did Crimson Tide together. Oh, I yeah. forgot about that. Did you he know, help you? Did he put in a word to David I don't Chase? Know if he did. I mean, but I'm you know, I mean, we did have a good rapport. You know, I did have a good rapport with him. We did like each other, and you know, I knew him from then. And uh I mean, I don't think uh, maybe he did, you yeah. know. Maybe he did. did you hook up with anybody on the set? Did you bang? Uh, no, uh, no, 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 no. What's no. her name? No, Drea. Drea. No. Well, we did a film together where I play. We play heroin dealers. Oh um, no! But she's my friend. I don't like doing that. On, you, you, know, you, you don't look up. Yeah, you can't. You do don't that. want to be irresponsponsible. What's well, not even that? <laughs> coming coming at, in on dope. No, well, well, that's well. Now that's those days are over. But you know, and something like that back then, I couldn't really control. Yeah. But now I can control it. Now if I go no, back and do it, it's a conscious. Effort. You know, it's conscious. Mm -hmm. It's a conscious. You know, it's mm -hmm. not a fucking disease and all that bullshit. I'm eighteen. I'm seventeen years into it. If I go back now, it's a choice. It's a choice. There's nothing to do with me having a disease. Yeah, I don't yeah. even think that exists. Ah. But I don't. I'm going to talk I, about that, yeah. You know, but, but you know, the way you look at it, it's like such a beautiful opportunity mm -hmm. to be on a set and to have the opportunity to work and, you know, do something that you love that I just don't think it's the place to do mm -hmm. that. No, of you course know? not. You just don't. Do, and I'm not just saying that to sound good. It's just Well, not, for the like, Patreon, we're going to talk, uh, we're going to do a little bonus episode after this where I want to talk like some behind the, the scenes Soprano stuff just because it's, you know, it's fascinating. It's part of American history. Like it really is part of uh american film history did you get paid well did they pay well i did okay back then it, it was all right you know but yeah. I, I did a show on cbs obviously you get a lot more yeah money. network a, right yeah, exactly right hbo was hbo and you know that sopranos that was groundbreaking there weren't shows like that mm -mm. before that that's paved the it way for HBO. shows yeah like then the that. wire and then you know the rest is history wire was just as good yeah uh, it, the, the writing wasn't as good because they use local actors, they didn't use real actors, and some of the writing was, in my opinion, a little, a little on the nose. But yeah. you know, we can argue that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what what happens after The Sopranos? Then, like now, now you're back on the map. I assume. Uh, do you, are you still getting calls? Are you still yeah, getting offers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did a film with James Caan right after that. I did a film called In the Shadows, Cuba Gooding Jr. This was back in 2000. Matthew Modine okay. had a nice role in that. Played okay. a stuntman. Wow. And then, you know, uh, you know, Abel Ferrara. 
Yeah. You know, Bad Lieutenant's my favorite film. Oh, my God. And I just watched King King of New York the other day. And I pay homage to it in the film that I wrote. Okay. Just like with the book he keeps calling. Yeah. It's kind of similar. And you think, you know, like, and then the way that movie threw you off, like the Dodgers lost and the Mets won. The Dodgers really won. Yeah. yeah. And then when the Mets won, I was like, what the fuck? And I would love that. Well, I'm throwing you off in this because that's my favorite. Mm. So I kind of want to play homage to it. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, I met Abel Ferrara. I met him in a strip club in New York City. The guy, the writer of the film that we actually did, it was called Our Xmas. His name was Scott Pardo. He comes up to me, he says, hey, Abel Ferrara's here. You know, I was like, really? Abel Ferrara, you know, because I love that. And mm. I love King of New York. I like Lieutenant better, but mm. King of New York was also mm-hmm. great. Yeah. And I said to him, I said, uh, oh, yeah, he said he would like to meet you. He thinks you got a great look and he thinks that you may be right. And then he's like, hey, aren't you... And then he's like, oh, you're that kid from there. You are an actor. Then I met Abel. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, it's like, you know, it's yeah. like, I don't know if you ever, did you ever meet him? I never met him, but I've seen interviews with him. That's yeah, yeah, his, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got the hair like in his face. It's and a he's fucking just, trip, and, man. And, and he rocks back and forth. Yeah. But he's a great guy. Yeah. He's clean now. Yeah. I, I, we emailed one time. He was in Rome. He's, he's living got, in Italy. Yeah, yeah. He's living in Italy. He's got a baby. I'm so like you know, yeah. man, he's a good dude. Yeah. I'm mean, able, That's you know, because we were both in active addiction back yeah, in the early two yeah. thousand. I believe it, man. And we were both fucked up. And for this guy to say like, I want you to be in this film, I literally auditioned in the hallway, in the hallway. I was up against another actor. I won't even say his name. Personally, I don't know. I think that kid would have been more right for the role than me. What the, What was the movie called? Rxmas oh, with okay. Dre DiMatteo. That kid would have been more right. But Abel just liked me. So like, we're in the hallway. All right. Lou DiGiamo casting, you know Lou, he did bringing the Gladiator, the Godfather. Uh, yeah, I heard Lou's him. as big as they yeah. get, and his son took over the thing. So that casting company was casting RXmas. First of all, Abel shows up late, and when he shows up, he's got a brown paper bag with a 40 ounce of Budweiser, right? And he walks like that, and his eyes are like half open. Yeah, 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 you look great. All right, yeah, no, all right, no, 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 all right, just come outside. All right, all right, yeah, all right, do it. Just do, do the accent. So I was doing. All right, you got the part. All right, all right yeah. no, he's got the part. That's what. All right, he's let me go. Let me go. Such an artist. He's such like a. <laughs> Comes fucking... in. I did two. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. You got the part, and he just. All right, I'm, I'm leaving, and then he leaves. But I got the part. Yeah, yeah. So you're working still. <laughs> yeah. But, you know what? What? What leads up? Lead us up to when you the incident happened that sent you to prison. Um. Because yeah. when I when I heard that, my buddies and I like I was in college when this happened. How old do you know? I'm 37. Okay. So You're this happened. Yeah. So I think I think it happened in what? 05. 05. And I'm like, Reggie, you're not going to fucking believe this because we're huge Sopranos fans. We're like, this fucking kid. You know, so we got it convoluted. I think the streets that didn't know any better thought you were the one that killed a cop. Right. Well, so that's... we were like, damn, respect. <laughs> yo, yeah. yo, that kid, <laughs> yo, the kid from a Bronxdale, Cologelo, he was really about that mess, I guess. So, and I don't want to make light of it, but you know, it was just like a funny thing because that's not what happened. So I want to talk about, tell us about those years and what led up to it and, and your addiction and what, you know, unfortunately uh, came that fateful night that, you know, well, at that point in time, ended. you know, like when I jumped out of the car, then I got into the pain medication. And then once the pain medication, that changed my whole life because the cocaine was like a weakened warrior type of thing. Right. And I don't think it would have ever, I don't think it would have ever went past that because I used to get co- I used to do cocaine. I used to get all weird on it. Mm. So there's no way I would be doing it all week. It's right. only when I drank, when I was sober, I wouldn't go anywhere near it. And, and the heroin. But the heroin is just like, you can act normal. 
you can eat, you can go to sleep. And you're like, what the fuck, man? Why didn't I do this shit first? It's like, you don't even want to do cocaine anymore. Wow. The cocaine, the come downs right away. You do it no more. And now you're like bugging out until you yeah. fall asleep. But the heroin, it just happens so subtly. You know what I mean? Because you're like, you do it. You go to sleep, you eat and nothing's, everything's cool. You wake up the next day, like nothing happened. Like, yeah, you are a little, but the bottom line is like the cocaine is affecting your life. Mm -hmm. I'm missing appointments. I'm doing mm -hmm. stuff like that because I get all geeked out. But then it's like this stuff feels better than that. And there's no fucking back. There's no repercussions. Mm -hmm. I was able to wake up. So then you, you start to slowly move over to that. So now that becomes your new drug of choice. So then you're doing that, doing that, doing that without realizing that it's a physical addiction. Oh, yeah. So now that, you know, nine days into it, you know, like I was doing the pills all the time because they felt so fucking great. Like Oxys? No, this was the Vicodin. And yeah. this before Oxys. Right. You know? And you're doing them, you're doing them. And then like the one day, like, cause my mom, they had them all over the house. They didn't realize like, these are fucking drugs and I'm stealing them and I'm paying mm. like, wow, these things are great. And then the one night when I didn't have them, I didn't realize what it was, but I went to sleep and I'm like sweating and tossing and turning. And I thought I was sick, but it was something off. I'm like, but I'm not sick. I don't feel like, you know, when you feel sick inside, mm -hmm. you know, like the cough, you just feel it, you yeah. know, something's wrong. But I didn't feel that way. It didn't feel like something was all the way wrong, but something was wrong enough to prevent me from fucking sleeping. So I'm like, what is this shit, you know? And then I remember talking to somebody and they're like, yeah, bro, because you've been taking those things. You don't mm. have any more, bro. You're going through withdrawals. I'm like, oh, shit. Like I'm becoming a junkie. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You're slowly becoming that. And so when, when did you start uh, going strictly to heroin? I would say by early 2005. Okay, so you're you're picking up powder heroin, but you know, oh, you know, oh, one, yeah. two, three, four. That was pills. Yeah, and then why did you get rid of the pills? Why did you say forget the pills? Because the pills, believe it or not, were becoming too expensive. Ah, they were becoming too expensive. I was doing so many of them: thirty in the morning, thirty at night. Thirty to sixty pills a day. Yeah, that's God, times damn. three. That's like you know, it's big money. Yeah, it's like, but you had you know, like it got that bad. So it's like, what the fuck? What do is I sixty do pills? What is the equivalent of that for the same high in heroin? A gram? Well, it all depends on the heroin. Because the pills, they're made in a lab. So mm. you know exactly what you're going to get. Mm. When you get a 10 milligram of this, it's going to be that every time. Because you know it was made. But now you go get dope. It could be the same stamp, and which has a good reputation, and it's known to be potent shit. But now you maybe got a batch that's a little older. It's not as fresh. So you can't count on it being what it was. But just for some reason, the dope, I don't know if it was psychological, I was paying all that money, and then I had this kid, Mike, from my neighborhood, he was like, used to go to work in Manhattan with a suit and tie, and he would stop off in the Bronx on his way home, and he would get dope. Wow. And I would fucking give him money, and he would get me the dope, and in the beginning, it was like three bags a day, 30 bucks, compared to all the shit I was just spending. Right. So you're like, this is the best thing in the world, I'm getting just as high. You know Saving what I mean? hundreds of dollars. And I'm not killing my liver with all that Tylenol. Right. I'm sniffing a little powder and I'm mm -hmm. feeling just as good. Mm -hmm. So you're like, this is great. But that's not the way it stays. The heroin creeped up and gave me such a habit so much faster than the pills. So before you know it, you know, you got to sniff 20 bags a day. 
to be like normal, yeah. not to be like just to be normal. Just to be well. Yeah, to not have aches and pains and just to be able to go about your day normally, you know? This is why dope dealers, they say heroin's a better drug to sell than coke because heroin is a physical addiction. You have to have it. It's every day. Or you're going to get sick. Right, it's right. every day. But that's all, you know. So you're spending a couple hundred bucks a day now on smack. Yeah, um, both, both. And then the other shit too. Then when toward the end, they got to the crack and that. So I'm wow. spending like four or $500 a day. Holy shit. And then that night, you know, shit happened. We went, we weren't there. Like I've said this a bit, we weren't there to rob the house. There was two witnesses that heard me screaming the guy's name. Okay, so After let's, I got shot. Okay, you don't so, do that. So let's, t so tell us about that night. Cause I actually don't really know. What happened? Well, I was with my ex-girlfriend's father. She didn't want to be with me anymore. She was like, you know, like doing really well in school and had, you know, ambition. You know, she wanted to really be, do something with her life. And, you know, I was getting in the way at that point. Uh, she didn't want to be with me. I moved back home. And are you a kind of a junkie now? By yeah. 2005? Can oh, we yeah. call you like a mess? Yeah, you yeah. You know, yeah. you're a dopehead. By, by, by like fall, like, you know, of like, and then like, yeah, absolutely. So then I became friends with her father as a reason to be able to go by the house. So she didn't call the cops. Mm. So then we went out that night. We never hung out after hours. It was always go to the bar, pick him up. We go get drugs, drop him off, and I go my way. But it wasn't like that. Oh, so, so this, he was getting high too. Yeah, he was getting uh, high too. Okay. okay. So we went there that night, and I knew the guy whose house we were going to, and I wanted to just get his attention. I knew he Tylenol. Cool. Yeah, I broke his window. But when you're a junkie and you know that's your friend, because it was my friend, hold I on, made hold all hold that on. noise. I don't understand. Who your friend? It was your friend's house. Well, it was my friend, but they're saying it was it was a burglary. Why were you going over there, though? Because he had Tylenol or codeine, and we couldn't find dope anywhere else. So I just needed to get well till tomorrow morning, right. live to fight another day. Right. Because the codeine is still an opiate. Yeah. I mean, you may not get high as fuck, but it's going to take away that pain. Sure. And you're going to go to sleep, and then tomorrow you it's another day. Yeah. And then, you know, and that's what it was. But I knew the guy, and that's why I made all this noise, and- you know, there was witnesses heard me screaming Kenny after Hold I was on, shot. Hold on, you went there? Okay, so tell us step by step. You go there, you you knock on his door, you try to wake him up to get the Cody? Well, I try to go through the garage. I went through to try to go through the garage. We didn't, we left and came back. And then, uh, you know, well, we, you know, well, I broke the window, then came back, you know, and then there was like, it was just some, I don't want to go through the whole thing. I mean, I don't have a civil case anymore. Right. And, you know, like, I, I mean, that's another thing too. Like, I, Won the civil case as well. Okay. You know, criminal and civil. Mm. It's not like I'm bragging, but like people to this day, like on my Instagram, I get people every single day, you know, mm. like, cop killer, you piece of shit. And yeah, your friend was a cop. No, well, they just say calling me a cop killer. But, because but, I, but I, I'm just asking about the facts. He was a, a cop. No, no, no. The guy who got killed was a cop. He lived next door. He heard the broken window. Oh. So he came out. He started shooting. I got shot, bro, three times. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like. So, he, so you guys are basically trying to break in right. or get your friend's attention. Right. He was no innocent victim. You know what I mean? So he this, came out shooting first. Wow. And, you know, it's not about him being a cop. Nobody even knew he was a cop. He said, don't move. I moved. I turned around. Boom, boom, boom. He's shooting an unarmed man. And then somehow, some way. I get lumped into this as a murderer. Okay, so you're a cop killer. How? I didn't even have a gun that night. The death was was caused by a firearm, right? Yeah. So how am I a cop killer if I didn't have a gun and I was shot? See, this is the, like That's the greatest wild. lie ever told. I was a drug addict, but I'm but no, you cop killer. But but no, I'm not. I want to ask people, what's the guy that did it? What's his name? Do you know his name? So obviously, you're not that vested in this whole thing. You want to act like the guy's your yeah. best friend. So okay, so he comes out. 
shoots you three times, basically doesn't even give you a chance to explain who you are. No, no, he said, don't move. But I moved, but it's 5.30 in the morning. Of course. You know, who's not going to fucking move? Yeah, when a guy with a gun yeah, is, but yeah, we, I didn't natural... know he had a gun until until he, until he I got shot. Did you but... feel it? Did you know you were hit? Oh, yeah, I could, I could see it. I could see right. him pointed at me in the... <laughs> And the Holy flash coming out of the shit. gun. Where'd he hit you? Like One and two, and then I got grazed. Oh, you're lucky to be alive. Yeah, I know. So lucky. You, he hit you where you hit uh, Chris Moltisanti. Yeah, I lost my <laughs> spleen, too. I mean, get the fuck out yeah, of here. Yeah, I did, right? If you ain't an actor, if, if you ain't Italian, bro, don't tell me you're a Spanish kid, you're an Italian kid, because this is operatic, yeah. okay? I got no spleen, Gene, for that real. That is fucking... Okay, so then what happens? Then you get hit, you go down. No, I fucking... My fight or flight right, kicked in. Of course. I started grabbing my stomach and I got to a safe place. Because at this point, he's shooting the guy I'm with. And the guy I'm with is going, ah! He's like getting riddled. So he I'm got like, lit what? up? Yeah. Did he get killed? No. He got shot nine times and he was able to get off the one shot that hit the police officer in the heart and killed him. Whoa. Pierced his heart. So did, did he shoot while he was still standing See, up? See, you didn't know that, right? That we of got shot? Of course not. That's why I brought you in here, dog. Imagine this. Nine shot, 12 shots versus one shot, but we're, we're, we're protecting ourselves. We were drug addicts. We were looking to get more drugs. Whoa. Is being a drug addict a good thing? No. Is it something that you can't help? Pretty much not. You can't. Help it at a That's certain time. Wild. It's not like we intentionally went there to do this. They make it like, you know, we're like some fucking group that goes out and kills cops. I had never had any problems with cops. I have friends that were cops. I still to this day have friends that are cops. You know what I mean? So and he hit it's this such guy, a sin that this was turned he into. He hit this. this guy nine times, didn't kill him. The guy, does he fall before he gets his gun out to shoot at the cop? I wasn't there. Because you were running. I didn't run. I was like walking yeah, really yeah. fast to get out of there. Wow. Okay, so yeah. he kills him instantly with one to the heart. I don't think it was instantly. I think he died on the scene like an hour okay. later. Um, wow, I'm sweating. This is wild. Okay, so how do you get to the hospital? How does he get to the hospital? Ambulances. Yeah, you get yeah. to you. So somebody, you get the ambo there. You're charged with first degree murder. Like what no, happens? I'm charged with second degree felony murder. He's charged with first degree. And uh, how long did you fight? The case for I was there for three years. Before. You were in jail. Yeah, for for three years. It, uh, were you at Rikers? Yeah, it was Rikers. How the how the fuck was that? Well, it was what it was. You know, it's yeah. a bad place. Um, you know, but you make it through, and you just hope. Because uh, I spent eight months in county county jails, kind of like Rikers, yeah, but because it's, it's city jail, yeah, county jail. Yeah, it's brutal. There's nothing like Rikers, though. None like Rikers. Nothing. Nothing in this country. There's no. not no many like as far as a jail. I don't yeah. think there's any. Jail well, it's in a this penitentiary, car. really. It's a it's a it's such a brutal place because it's a penitentiary for people that have not been convicted of crimes, which is against the Constitution. The only thing I can compare it to is the L.A. downtown that they call it the Tombs. Well, they call this the Tombs and downtowns, yeah. but in L.A., the L.A. County Jail is a, they call it a mini penitentiary. Somebody gets killed there every day. But wow, so you're fighting your case for that? You don't have bail. Or you can't no, come up with the money? No, we could get bail. We put together bail packages with houses and this. They would not give me bail. Wow. And that's a bunch of bullshit, too. That should be illegal. The only reason why they set a bail is to secure one's appearance in court. That's the only reason for bails, to secure the appearance. Yeah. It's not, it's not for punitive reasons. Right, right. But they use it for punitive reasons they all do. the time. Now, it, this, There's no this, reason I shouldn't, got, shouldn't have got bail. Did this no happen way. in Yonkers? No, it happened in the Bronx, in Pelham Bay. Oh, okay. So that's a cons that's more of like a conservative 
place, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's you know, it's like a wise guy area. Yeah. There's some there's some organized crime in there. Yeah, area. but but it's also like you get a lot of people that love the cops, and so that probably has something to do if you're getting tried up there. That probably has something to do no, with- No, well, it was Bronx, Bronx Supreme Court. Bronx Supreme oh, That's weird, And I don't man. think Bronx people really like cops. Really? Nah, for, for the most part. Okay. I, this is a Long Island. I'm thinking yeah. of, I'm like stereotyping like Brooklyn or Long Island. Yeah, my, my lawyer said that it, it couldn't ha have happened in a better place than the Bronx. <laughs> right. You have well, your best shot in the Bronx. <laughs> no shit, because cops are killing a lot of people up there themselves. Well, you know what it was? Just in, I remember at that time, the statistic was 73% murder conviction rate, and that was in, in 08. 73% conviction? Right, right. That's not a lot. Murder, no, murder, I guess not. Murder, murder conviction, conviction rate. rate, yeah. Murder's, a hard, murder's hard to prove, especially when yeah. it's like premeditated. Right. You gotta prove a lot. Well, DAs are stupid, too, and they overcharge. Charge, they yeah. overcharge people, and then the jury's like, well, okay, they did kill the guy, but it wasn't premeditated no, it first degree. No, fucking started a bar fight. Yeah. They went outside and shot the guy. Yeah, That's a yeah. manslaughter. Right, right. So, okay, so you're fighting your case for three years. Your your boy, or your, your ex's father, is he also at Rikers? Yeah. Wow. And so they're together, but then they split us up. So he's charged with first degree murder. Um, now, what happens with that? You guys take it to the box. Are you, do you have separate lawyers? Yeah, yeah. We got do you go to court separately or do you, are you there in court together? We go, we went to court together for the first few years, but then we had a case severance. We severed the case. You ever hear the Bruton rule? No. The Bruton rule is like the right to cross examination because. The statements that he made against himself, they were so they were so strong and they, was, they made the case so strong. They had to try us separately because they didn't, this was the choice. He has these statements that are very incriminating against him. So it's either you keep those incriminating statements, but you got to sever the case because now... This court, this he's mentioned in the statements. You can't. It's too much confusion, and it's too, you can't try together. What kind so of you either throw all the statements away, we start fresh, or you sever the case and you keep the statements. What kind of damning statements, though? It's self-defense. What's what's the what am I missing here? Well, they didn't think it was self-defense. They're trying to say that he shot first, a cop that was carrying a a, a nine millimeter K nine, a car nine. So they're saying Stephen Armento shot him first. He only got shot once. It was a, a fatal shot that pierced his heart and killed him. Okay, so obviously it's a very fatal shot. It's a, it's a did a lot of damage. This shot. So you're trying to say that after a 357 bullet, okay, with hollow tip bullets hit you from that close, did that, mm. a, you know, a bullet, yeah. a shot that eventually killed you. So you're going to say after that happened, you were able to shoot. All, both of us nine times mortally yeah. wounded on the floor right. that's number one but right but if you're saying this guy is the aggressor and he shot first what's to say he's gonna let you shoot him if he shot you first right and now you're on the floor and you're collecting yourself mm. if he already shot you and you didn't even see he didn't even see the gun he you know what i'm saying yeah he you're just saying he shot you just off bc and you boom he shot you but now you're showing a gun and you're lifting up. He's just gonna stand there. Can't don't they have bullets? Right or wrong though. He's just gonna no, stand. No, of course I it's, just it's shot ridiculous. You. No, it's ridiculous. But don't but they now have? Now I stop when you have the on. gun. Don't they have ballistics people that can tell? Like, oh, okay, the bullet was shot from a standing position. Like, didn't your lawyer bring in any of these yeah, people to discredit yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, 
Did you have good lawyers? Yeah, I had I had Takapina. He was Trump's lawyer. I mean, he was Trump's lawyer now, but I had him, you know. Like, wow. Yeah. And I mean, it's crazy that your boy, the guy's lawyer, the other co-defendant's lawyer would let him make these damning statements that well, are going to. No, well, he made him in the hospital when it first happened. Oh, his, and they can use his those. words. His, his actual words were, I shot the cop. That was one of the things. Mm. One of the things they said, uh, why did you, he had latex gloves on. I didn't have latex gloves on. He had latex gloves on. He says, in case I went in the house, I didn't want, I didn't want to leave prints. Mm. So you're basically saying every year, like, what else? Mm. You know what I mean? Okay, so you- So those statements, they need them. Right. He just basically said, I'm putting them on so I, when I do the burglary, no one gets my prints. Right. So that- That right there shows it's not premeditated. You're there to burglarize a house, not kill a cop. No, but- but the fact that he had a gun and you're going to do a burglary, they would they can easily infer that you bought the gun in case someone got in the way of right. a burglary. Right. But still not first degree, though. Well, because it was a cop. That's why it was a first degree. <sighs> but, you know, he, they charged him with intentional and felony murder. The intentional murder count because they couldn't prove that he shot first. They didn't, they didn't, prove, they didn't prove either way, but uh. the bottom line was there was plenty of reasonable doubt that he didn't shoot first because how can you do that after yeah. getting damaged and hit with right. a bullet? See, like one thing they can tell is, you know, like when you shoot someone, that flash comes out of the gun, mm -hmm. that flash comes out of the gun. It burns you. And those burns are in dots. You know what that's called? That's called stippling. Okay. Stippling. So now it's like when you throw sand at someone, obviously, the closer you are, the less it's going to dissipate. It only went like that. But now you're further, it's going to come out more. So now, based on those constant, that con the concentration of the dots, they can tell, okay, this guy was about 12 to 18 inches away, or this guy was that. They were able to tell that mm, kind of stuff. Mm, mm. But the only way they can really tell who shot first is fucking somebody was there watching it. It's all right, this guy shot first. And then it's like, okay, well, did you have your glasses on? Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, mm. was it dark out? Yes, it was. So can you honestly say that you know 100% what you saw without your glasses on? Can you say 100%? No, I can't say 100 That's it. Mm. You know, but. So what were the, what was the convictions? They got him on felony murder, murder in the first degree and burglary. <laughs> they convicted him of burglary. They convicted me of attempted burglary. Why? I don't know how they. Because technically, a burglary, once you break the plane, whatever the plane is considered, where the screen is or whatever, once you break that fucking plane, even if you didn't go in the house and you're like in the house, technically, once you do that, that's the plane, you broke the plane, that's a burglary. This is an attempted burglary. Mm. But I guess because they saw where the screen was broken, which I broke it. I broke it and ripped it out because it's going to like, yeah. because it was further in. So they can say that he did break the plane because of where the screen was. So I guess in his case, his lawyer didn't do a good enough job to argue that. Yeah. Because let me tell you something, a burglary and an attempt to burglary is a big difference. Sure. You know what I mean? Like I got convicted of an attempted burglary in the first degree with serious physical injury to a non-participant. So- because it was an attempt, the sentencing guideline was three and a half to 15 years. Mm -hmm. Now, if that's a burglary instead of the attempt, 
That's an eight and a third to 25. Right. So I got 10, three and a half to 15. He basically went right in the middle. He couldn't give me the max. I got no conviction. Right. You can't wait because it's a cop. Wipe right. your ass with that. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. There's law, the sentencing mm-hmm. guidelines, mm-hmm. regardless of who it was. It could have been Gizmo. Right. So they it's gave, still the same thing. So they know? gave you 10, but you already have three in, so you got time served, right? Right. And then I only had to do five. Well, five and a half, because out of 10, you do 85% mm-hmm. for violent. In and New then, York State. Right. And then nonviolent would have been 65%. Right. So you got to do, so what? Would, how much time did you do total? Five, because I did my college. Right. I paid for it. It was a degree program. At a Norcross, it was a school in Georgia, Ashworth College. I used to get the stuff. Wait, what do you mean? Oh, so oh, you did, did college, college when, in, I was when there. you were locked up? Not from through the facility. I paid for it. Mm. I did my research, and I found like a school that was a real degree. How like much? How much time did they give your the code? They gave him natural life. Wow! And did he repeat? without without the possibility? So. And is he still in there? Yeah. Did he? Oh is, yeah. Gonna, is he going to win his appeal, or has he lost all his appeals? I don't even know. I, I don't. I don't know. What he's, what's going on with his appeals or anything, but it's, it's like such a, you know. Damn, that sucks, dude. The, the, you know, the sister of the cop, you know, um, she seemed all into it. You know, meanwhile, I heard from an officer from Rikers Island um, that his sister Rosa, Yolanda Rosa, she was like all Miss Good Sister and concerned about it, but I heard she didn't even really, she was estranged from her brother. I had heard that. And then, but like now, because there's money to be made, like, you know, I look at this as like, you're throwing me under the bus. You know what really happened here. I guarantee you there's someone in your family that's an addict. Mm. I guarantee you. But because you see this, mm. you don't see what's really behind this. The fact it was the fact that he was a cop made all of that null and void. Because when you kill me? a cop, yeah, it doesn't matter if he's a scumbag. He might be on the take. He's probably an addict. He's a cop from the Bronx, dude. He hits his wife. He's probably a piece of shit. That's not even a big stretch of the imagination to say, I'm sorry if you're a cop in the Bronx. We don't have any cops listening to this show. It's about criminals. It's But the fact that you kill a cop, we're so blinded in this country, so we revere law enforcement so much. Now, if that had happened today, by the way, in this anti-police environment, political environment we live in, you're, the co-defendant, he might have got some leniency. But in general, up until this specific period of time in history, Americans are brainwashed to just think any violence done to a cop is the, it must be punished to the full extent of the law. Well, you know, I, I lived it. Believe me, I saw. That's I fucking know. crazy, I know, bro. I know. This is how, such a fascinating. They, they should study this in in law school. You know, this kind of case study. I mean, it's a guy. Was the gun legal? Was it three fifty seven? No, he was carrying. It wasn't legal. It was his father's gun. Mm. That they had a chance to take off the street after the father died. Oh, I remember it was a newspaper thing yeah. about it. Um, but you know, but yeah, that was all in the past. I went upstate. I got my degree. Where'd I, you Where'd you go? I went to Oneida, and then we went. To, I went to Hudson because they closed Oneida down. I got my degree. Was that a maximum? <clears throat> no, medium. Okay, medium B. You know, after I'd learned that, you know, and I got sober in jail, November 12, 2006, I overdosed. I was getting morphine and fucking heroin at church. In jail? Yeah, in Rikers. Wow. And then I just got clean, November 18, 2006. Wow. And I never looked back. I'm clean still to this day. You know, I work out. Freaking, you yeah, know, you look that, great, man. You know, that's my that's my drug. Um, you know, I'm a big family man. I got two beautiful nieces. They're seven. My nephew. Mm. You know, I'm, I, 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 I'm at a rehab. I'm, you know, I'm director of public relations, a place called More Life Recovery. You know, pretty, you know, like a few of the guys, you know, addicts as well, yeah. they own the company, good friends of mine. Yeah. 
It's a beautiful thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd rather that over meetings, like going to NA meetings sure, and stuff. Sure. I never saw, like, you know, uh, you know, like, and I, I want to say this a lot. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Why not? It's like what I believe. And I like, I, I don't see why people go to meetings 30 years later. It right. makes no sense to me. It's to save your life, not to become your life. Mm. You know, like, it's like, because, you know, like when you say this, you like, you know, you've got a disease and stuff like that. It's like almost like you're like, like someone, like they jettison you off the fuck. All right. They put the people with these, these yeah. crazy fucking freaks, right. put them over here. It's like, I don't think if you feel that way and you recognize yourself as having a disease, I don't think you could truly ever get better because I know you, it's like cancer, man. Once you get it, it's like, you know, it's like, damn, am I going to get it again? You know what I'm right. saying? And, and I don't know. But I just, once you beat cancer, you don't keep taking, uh. You'll keep doing chemo. No. To your point. So, I don't know. Look, I uh, I go to meetings for other stuff that's going on, not drugs or alcohol, but, you know, fucking, you know, running around with the, uh, you know, ladies of the night, maybe, we'll say. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but I love my sweetheart. I'm in a monogamous relationship now. But, uh, you know, I, I got, there's guys in there 85 years old that are like, if I didn't go to this these meetings, dude, I would be, you know, uh, you know, having sex with a hooker in the in the back of my El Camino next week. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like so. So I wait till next week. Right. Next week's a long time away. <laughs> yeah, you Fuck might be that. dead by then. You're 85. Let's see if I can put yeah. something together. To, let's see what we can muster up tonight. I don't. I'm like, dude, you're 85. Who gives a fuck? What I got. Let me see what I got. I'm here really quick. So damn, man. So when did you get back into? Uh, well, congratulations. I mean, did you feel like? Do you feel like you're grateful for the experience somehow? going to prison and this event happening to you? <clears throat> I mean, because you are lucky to be alive. And what a tale. The guy who gets shot in The Sopranos and killed in The Sopranos gets shot in real life. And you take a gut shot, man. Yeah. That's wild, dude. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, it could have turned out much worse. I could have not went to prison. I could have beat the case and got high that night. Could have came home yeah. and fucking, I've been on every TV. I would have been the hottest thing on the news. Yeah. It would have went right to my head. I would have started drinking. Hey, Merry Christmas. Because the trial, the day they gave the verdict was December 22nd. Can you imagine if I beat the case? Yeah. Walk right out of that courtroom? You might have OD'd. Are you kidding me? I've been probably dead. I would have yeah. ruined my mother's Christmas. For sure. Because once I had a couple of drinks, and I'm like, fuck this. I just yeah. did three years. So yeah. I was never coming home. And you would have definitely justified sniffing yeah. some blow. Right. And then you're wide out of your mind. My mom can't seem like that. We went to get and the your heroin. tolerance is low because yeah. you've been in jail. And you die. You're going to die. Yeah. And that's why there's so many overdoses in Rikers, even to this day. Because, you 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 know, maybe you don't get it for a week when you first go in. Your tolerance goes down. And then a batch comes through and you take it. And now, you know the real reason why? It's fent all fentanyl, fentanyl now. Fentanyl now, too. Nobody yeah. even wants heroin. Is that true? Yeah, they don't even want heroin. I'm telling you, I'm at the rehab. I'm there every, you know, I'm there every week. Right. And we were actually talking about that today. And I remember one girl says, nobody even wants uh, heroin anymore. They just want the pure fentanyl. Yeah, the shit that's the killing you, they want that. Yeah. Wow. Especially if they hear someone dies, they want, oh, where did he get it? Where did she get it? It's probably, you know. Think about that mental yeah. illness. Yeah, it's nuts. They, they, the dope dealers, they, they want somebody to, to, when the batch comes through, they want somebody to die because that's going to up sales. Like, think about that. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking crazy, I mean, listen, man. fentanyl is a really, really dangerous thing. Yeah. And these fucking yeah. people selling that, man, they should seriously go to hell. <laughs> I mean, look at look at look at Robert De Niro. He just oh, his grandson. Yeah, he just oh, lost his grandson. God. Have stuff, you have you ever? This stuff doesn't discriminate. You know, my praise go out to the family, yeah. Drina, Bob De Niro. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Now it's let a, me I'm ask afraid, you. Like I said, I would be afraid to relapse right yeah, now. Yeah, of course. You'd be afraid. Of course. A fucking drop. What they say? A, a, a grain. A grain can kill you. 
Yeah, I know comedians because I'm a comedian in, in L.A. You know, I have many comedian friends who were, you know, got a hold of that shit and, you know, they're no longer here. Um, did you have you talked to what was your relationship like with Hollywood and the business after you got out of prison? Or did you become untouchable because of what had happened? Yeah, of course. I mean, like, you know, I remember I'm not going to say the person's name. But, you know, like, obviously I'd been away for eight years. Yeah. You know, I looked different. You know, like yeah. I, like a lot changed me. Yeah. It's not that I changed a lot. A lot changed me in this time. And this stuff, like, as an actor that I can bring that I probably couldn't bring before. And not too many actors can just because they didn't feel those things. Mm. But, uh, you know, I just think that I told my manager, I said, listen, we have to start fresh. Okay? So... Maybe not even auditions, but maybe you could set up some general meetings. I got a partner Woody Allen film doing that with the lady Patricia Deserto. Went in, general meeting. She said, I'll let you know if there's something right. Woody Allen's film was right. Which one? Uh, Wonder Wheel. It got like kind of like freaking like. I feel like I saw that. Yeah. I'm going to go rewatch it though for you. Yeah, it was, uh, it was small, very small. Yeah. But which, uh, Belushi. Tony Chirico was in it. Okay. Uh, I still got the pictures. They had a freaking hairpiece on me. Wow. That's what the lady Patricia DeSerto said. She said, she said, Woody loves you. He loves you. He thinks you got a great voice. And then she treaded real. She said, Woody wants to know, would you wear a hairpiece? My hairline was fucking back here. Hmm. <laughs> Not like you. Look at this. You don't got that problem. Yeah. But I was like, I was like, yes, I will wear a hairpiece. Yeah. Um, well, you won't be in many uh, Woody Allen movies anymore. I don't know if you've seen what's going on with that guy. Nice. <laughs> you know, I got to be honest with you. I didn't. I didn't really like working with him. I don't care. I'll say it right. Say on. it right now. Who no, gives no a fuck? He's, he's, he's like he's. I mean, people think like yeah, his films are great and everything and this and that. But I remember working with Chaz Palmer. Well, when we did the looping the ADR for a Bronx yeah. Tale. Because Bronx Tale De Niro shot the shit out of that movie. It was his first, you know, yeah. film, and he got all the coverage, you know, possible. Of because you know he didn't want, he doesn't know what he does, not yeah. going to use. And yeah, it's first time in the editing mm -hmm. room with his his mm -hmm. film, so that was cool. So now you doing that, you think that's standard? You think every script you're going to go on is going to be fucking, you know, a million, you know, a million different shots of the same thing? And then Chaz was doing bullets over Broadway with Woody Allen, mm -hmm. and. uh he did bullets over Broadway, and he was like, "I was like, he was like, yeah, we're done for the day." I was like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Woody, he only does a Steadicam master, yeah. a wide lens on a master." I was like, "Oh wow, he's, you know, you got to do it 15, 20 times sometimes to get it right, but when it works, it works." Yeah, because it looks nice. Okay, all right. So we go do this film. This was in Staten Island in like 2016. It was like mm -hmm. October. It was by the water. It was cold. It was cold that day. I remember Woody Allen was nice. Oh, you cold. He was like, he was like. <laughs> I said that to you. Yeah, he was like, he so was like surreal. an old dad. You know yeah. what I mean? And he came and said, "You got cold." Yeah. And I remember, if you get, get your jacket, yeah. I know that was nice. But you know, like when you got the steady cam master, it's almost like, it's almost like theater. Everything's like, you know what I mean? It has mm -hmm. to time out, and it has to. So the scene is with Bobby Bacala, you know, Sharippa mm -hmm. from The Sopranos, yeah. and. uh Steve Sharippa, who a known known cocksucker, by the way. Yeah, he wouldn't take a picture with me that yeah, he's day. An, he's an asshole. Yeah, he is. He is. I'll tell you, he is. <laughs> I he wouldn't take him. a picture of me like, dude, I liked <laughs> you in <laughs> The Sopranos. <laughs> I didn't know you. Take that. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. sh like showing you respect. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't because yeah. you're on TV. It's because no, I actually liked you. Yeah. I don't give a fuck if you're on TV. I'll yeah. spit on you. Yeah, you give a me? fuck, dude. I, don't, I really don't. But, you yeah. know, it's like, come on, man. I was like such an. He goes, I'd rather not. Yeah, I'm he's like, an asshole. Okay. No problem. 
you know, but so Woody Allen, you know, like the scenes with these guys and my father was like the guy I'm holding court. These two guys are there and we got to look for this girl. Juno Temple was the mm. person who played the part. I'm saying, I don't care. You got to find her. She could really, really hurt us. You got to find this girl. So that was the thing, right? So, you know, the camera's timing out and I just felt with what was being said to me, it felt like I needed to really let it sink in for a second, think and then say, man, I think you're right. You know what I mean? Whatever it was, mm -hmm. I don't remember what it was. But unfortunately, Woody thought that was, you know, like, it's not about what I saw from him. It wasn't about the actor's performance. It was about how it's going to look for him to shine. Right. But in other words, you're rushing me. I don't want to say this this fast. I just doesn't doesn't feel yeah. right to me. You know what I mean? So he gets up out of his seat. He runs. He like skips over to me. He runs over. He goes, no pause. Fast, fast. No pause. Fast, fast. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. But it's like, it can't be fast. Like that scene, this what was going on yeah. there. It's not a fast moment. There's yeah. a moment there that you got to really take that moment. Right, right. And I felt so discouraged. It's like I'm yeah. trying to do my best and I can't even right. do that. So Scorsese is the opposite. He is the guy that actors love to work with so much because he just lets them be free. He says, yeah, just go. Just yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to take a pause? You take a pause. You do whatever yeah, yeah, you want to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's it's a lot of freedom. Whereas, a, but a guy like Woody Allen, and actually Louis C.K., my favorite comedian, he's kind of like that too. He's a little bit of a tyrant. Uh, you know, he, your actors are there just to be pawns in the bigger picture. You know, and that is film. Like film is a director's medium. At the end of the day, Hitchcock used to say that that actors yeah. were pawns. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know. Turns out Woody Allen, yeah, he's not just, uh, you know, kind of a dictator on set. He's, you know, turns out he's a pervert and a pedophile. Yeah. But uh, he's a weird guy. He's a weird, weird guy. guy. But, but like, you know, like I didn't, that's my memory of him, but I'm still blessed to have worked and be able to put yeah. something like no, that on my huge. resume. That's huge. That's huge. You yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying? Exactly. But I, you know, I like, would do a Woody Allen film now. Yeah, I'm going to come, like, come online and say that. I just thought like something like that, like people would probably say, oh, don't say that. But, but it's like, yeah. I think that's a story that people right. would want to hear. No, of course. Like, what are we, we, we here to tell stuff that everybody knows? Yeah, fuck we that. We got to no. tell them, I mean, we don't want to go too crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, we'll be, yeah. You know. Well, we're going to go too crazy on, on the bonus episode, which we're going to uh, fade out to now. But, um, I mean, look, you're working, man. You're working. It's very cool. I really, really appreciate you coming in and telling your story. It is an incredible one. Thank you. Bro. And there's a purpose in it, you know? And you probably already found it, but like all that stuff was supposed to happen. And uh, I just think it's great. And uh, keep working, man. Keep working. Uh, is there anything you want to plug? Do you want to plug your, the, 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 um, the uh, the rehab that yeah, you work well, with? Yeah, it's Let's um, do that. more life recovery. More life recovery. It's in, it's in Metuchen, New Jersey. They have they have the sands in Florida. But Metuchen, New Jersey is where I'm at. I'm director of public relations. And like, as we said before, I'm not big on the meetings because I just feel it's the same. Mm -hmm. It's just the same. It just doesn't do anything. I don't get anything out of it. But doing this kind of stuff, you know what I mean? It's like I run a group. I go there and, uh, you know, and just doing that and speaking from a place like, I don't want to say the word authority, but from a place of experience. Yeah. You know, so it's like, well, this is what I did. And I think if you did this, it would really work mm -hmm. out well for you. 
Is this a, an in, an inpatient? Well, in it's, treatment, it's, it's we have PHP. It's got different levels of care. Yeah, we have the PHP, which is like inpatient. We yeah. have housing. Mm -hmm. We have different levels. Like this is like the newcomer comes here, and then when you get a little more seniority, you move over to this house. Right. So it goes from PHP to IOP. IOPs is intensive outpatient. So now they still live there, but you don't. You know, it's like. You're now expected to get a job. Yeah. Now you're slowly re-entering yeah. society. Right, right. With the tools you're acquiring here. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're doing it little by little. It's not like we just send you out to the wall. You know of what course, I mean? Of course, of course. You're doing it simultaneously, little by yeah. little. And unfortunately, sometimes, you know, like, you know, some you know, don't get it the first time around. Yeah. It's a vicious cycle. It's common, right? So then, you know, they'll, they'll see, like, they get a little complacent in mm -hmm. their recovery. Like, hey, I've been good. You know, now I moved to this next level of care and you know they trust me i got a job mm -hmm. and yeah. before you know it so and so we're not always yeah well we're gonna put the uh the link to that clinic uh in the description of the episode and and yeah we're gonna plug it because if you know people hear this you know a lot of people are listening to this so you know this is an inspiring story and if they, you need to get clean go check them out yeah that's everything. if you're in the tri-state yeah. area okay you could, you could have money have it yeah. all but if you don't have that sobriety and yeah. your recovery yeah nothing is possible exactly I, you know with it not anything is possible you know you're not going to become michael jordan because mm -hmm. you got clean and you've been practicing in your backyard but almost anything yeah. is impossible totally totally so, man. And, and and it works if you work it and it's it's possible yeah i'm living proof yeah it's possible you happier now that I'm clean? No, I mean, led then like the the Bronx Tale years. Yeah, I mean the Bronx Tale years. I was like, damn, I, I had no clue of what I was getting into. Yeah. with no experience, it was like the per and plus with my personality, no experience. Mm. I got parents; they're immigrants. Yeah, you know, smoking weed to them was like holy shit. Right. You know what I mean? The devil. So now, yeah, so now they this stuff they don't they don't even know what they mm. don't even know what it is. Yeah. If I put. Well, now my mom would because yeah, obviously you know she came to visit me. And like, you know. Oh, poor girl! Yeah, Jesus you know. Christ. But back in the day, like you, like half of this stuff, like some of these old school Italians, they wouldn't even know what it was. Mm. They, 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 what is Thought that? Thought it was Powder oregano. A yeah. Donut? What right. Exactly. It? It's not. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they, it's not like they were able to help me navigate. Yeah. Through this shit, right. like yo. And you were essentially a child actor. You like a child star in a way, more um, or less. Yeah. And and, a, and look at what ends up. Every child actor who becomes a star. Are, it they all ends the same you yeah. know there's very few of them that dodge that trap of addiction because they they're forced to grow up overnight no it's not even that it's not even forcing to grow up you know what it is when you're a young kid okay it's not common and it's not it's not it's not it's not the norm where you're going to see yourself on tv like i've said this before the first time i saw myself in the bronx tale on you know by surprise the fucking trailer was on it gave me such a high, mm. okay? So a lot of times these kids, they get roles and they're the, they're the shit right now and they're getting all these roles and everything's great. That's dopamine. That causes your body to release dopamine, your brain. So you're feeling good from that. And then eventually like the roles start tapering off and you're not doing the same thing. So now there's like, you crave what you felt when you were doing that. So now, if you discover that stuff, because it can mimic that, but it's empty and that's full, it does mimic it. Mm -hmm. So now you're confused to think, okay, when I'm not doing that to make me feel that way, now I got this. And we fill it up with dope. Right. Yeah. And then that's what happens. Right. Oh, okay. And yeah, then before sense. you know, you know, but now 
like it's like the second coming. I like writing. I never thought I could, but now I got such real life experiences. Exactly. I see some of these writers and I'm like, like they try to write about things they've never experienced and mm -hmm. you sometimes can tell. Yeah. It's like the nuances. They never like, you know what I mean? And I know like this story that I'm writing, dude, this is going to be my wrestler. Good. I'm telling you. Oh, good. Trust me, dude. Yeah. It's called Never Meet Your Heroes. It's fucking deep. It's real. Well, hit it's me about up, man. addiction, bro. Send it's it gonna over. resonate with people. Trust me. I started out, she knows, it started out on index cards. Yeah. I would have dreams. I would I had all the index because I had a story, right? But obviously the screenplay's gotta be at least 90 pages, a page a minute. So I got screenplay uh, uh index cards. She would bring me home from work. I had I still have pictures of them. I had the three acts. And I have all the scenes, and now sometimes I got a scene here and one here, but now I got nothing here. But that's the key. The key is to put things down on paper. When you see it, it's a lot easier. Mm. That's why they say write it down, write it yeah, down, put yeah, it on paper. Bro, it's everything. Yeah. Because now it's like if you were like knew you had the scene and then that scene, and you got to try to bridge that gap, if it's in here, it's a lot harder for you to come up. But mm -hmm. when you're looking at it, Oh, I know what I could put here. I could just put, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it just, I loved it, man. Well, maybe that'll be what uh, a Bronx tale was to Chaz, you know, for you. And send it over. I got some people in Hollywood. They got some financiers, you know? Is it yeah. under 5 million? If you can well, make it under 5 million. Under 5 mil? I can make it under a million. I can make it for, I already got Terrell. She's, she's agreed to do it. Oh, yeah. And like I said, she looks better now than she did back then. Oh. She, you know, she, you know, like we've spoken about yeah. what I'm writing. She loves it. And she's a great person. Yeah. She's got a great family. I know, you know, her mom, or dad, you know, like yeah. her husband. It's like, Amazing, this is going to be special. I hope it comes this together. Is a, this is a piece of, you know, I'm going to make sure it comes together. Yeah. It I'm better, not a man. quitter, dude. It better, man. The only thing I quit is drugs. But yeah. other than that, I'm not, I'm going to do everything I possibly can because I know that this film can actually help people because it's a tale about, you know, about a family, about, you know, about a family that, you know, from Yonkers and just addiction and how it manifested in different forms mm. and it's just how it destroyed, yeah. it destroyed their lives. But eventually, ultimately, it turned out okay. But it only, it's not, it wasn't happily ever after because everything that happened to lead up to that, it's like, huh, but it's real. That's the thing. And that's why I think people will really love it. Oh man. Well, we're going to check it out. Um, and you're, and the clinic, you can go see, see Lilo. Are you on uh, Instagram? Yes. Lilo, L-I-L-L-O underscore Broncato, B-R-A-N-C-A-T-O. Lilo, thank you so much, man. That thank was killer. You, thank you guys. We'll see you next week. Take care. And, and switch over to Patreon now. We're going to talk a little bit of, you know, like fun uh, Hollywood stuff. Uh, maybe talk about uh, prison stretch. Uh, go over to patreon.com slash the connect show and uh, take care of yourself. Peace.